Hello, folks. Before we start the show, I'd just like to say uh, that here at Sin Beef Podcast, our views on bestiality are subjective and often maligned. If you uh, love your your animal or animal person or fishman or whatever you have going on, uh, it's a uh, we're kind of frowned upon here, but we'll try to handle the subject matter with uh, the utmost um, prestige and uh, utmost respect and utmost disgust that the subject deserves to be talked about. And with that, I give you guys Dick Cheese and Lounge Against the Machine. Enjoy the show. Here's one for the ladies. Rape me. Rape me, my friend. Come on, rape me. Rape me again. I'm not the only one. No, I'm not the only one. of the Sun Beef Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Gary Hill, and with me, as usual, is Jamie. Hello. How's it going? Pretty well. I'm uh, very excited to get the next episode of ABC's done and sent off, so it should be coming out anytime soon. I always feel very accomplished when I do when I do something like that. Yeah, me as well. It's like uh, one of your children or something. I don't know. <laughs> it's like, hello, multiple cats. Uh, I'll release you out into the world, in, into the wild, if you will. Um, and also with us is Iris. Hello. How are y'all? Fine, fine. How are you? I'm doing good. We, I have sun. I'm so excited. Tomorrow it rains, but I have sun today. We had snow today, Iris. We had snow today. We actually it's snowing right now. <laughs> oh my I'm gosh, still you're kidding. flurrying here, and the Cubs opener got postponed. Oh, that's because God hates the Cubs. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> Look, here's some here's some snow for your ball field. You disappointed Gary one too many times. You know? Ooh, <laughs> you've got that kind of pull with God. I, I think so. Maybe maybe, maybe the, the lesser gods. Maybe, but you know, some somebody controlling the the, the winds there. P- possibly um, the four winds. 
who Crom laughs at apparently, and yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and also with us is Suzanne. Greetings. How it's are you? Cold. I was lied to about spring. It's probably gonna snow on my birthday again. You get lied to about a lot of things. Life sucks. There are there are glimmers of hope. Sometimes in the bottom of alcohol bottles, but there are glimmers of hope. Yeah. You just don't need to possess worm like a poltergeist too. You start going crazy and. Uh, no. <laughs> oh no 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 no. That always reminds me of that scene in Urban Cowboy. Oh yeah, when Scott Glenn and he bites down on it and it's wriggling. Yes. <laughs> nope. 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 Still alive. <laughs> and with us, uh, Jamie's, uh, I, I'd say I, I don't record him all that much. Jamie's husband, uh, he's also a member of the ABCs of Hidden Horror. And it's Brian M. Sammons. How you doing, sir? Hello. I'm doing good. How are you? Well, sorry for the lousy intro, but I, I'm doing okay. <laughs> yeah, it works. I can't be John Cross, who's the king of the intro, just just pushing him out like like nobody's business. But um, pushing him out like Octomom. Yeah, oh God! <laughs> I'd imagine the first couple he just kind of slid out though, because I'm sure it was quite uh, engorged by then. Yeah, gotta, uh, <laughs> gotta let that cervix close up a little, you know. <laughs> It's a vagina, not a clown car. <laughs> that reminds me of the meaning of life, where she's standing in the kitchen and the baby just dropping the out. <laughs> Every sperm is safe. <laughs> oh, Jeebus. Oh, <laughs> we'll start. Medical experiments for the lot of you. <laughs> We'll uh, start the show the same way we always start the show, and um, I'm sure lies are going to be the same things that Jamie watched, but I'm going to ask Brian, what has he been watching lately? Well, uh, we actually just went to the theater a couple days back, and we saw A Quiet Place. Um, that was my like number one most anticipated movie of the year, and it did not disappoint. I was very happy. Great! I hear you guys did a episode with Mike Merriman when it's just a, just just the movies episodes with that movie. Uh, kind of. I had to duck out early, but uh, Jamie stayed there to the bitter end. Um, just real quick, if you haven't seen that movie yet, I highly recommend it. It was amazing, and I love that all these comedians are just knocking it out of the park when it comes to doing horror films, and uh, because of that, I actually have. A sliver of hope that the new Halloween's not going to totally suck. Hopefully, knock on wood. The reboot of a restart of a restart of a restart? Or... No, there's only two restarts, I think. And then... Yeah, but the one that Rob Zombie da- did, I don't count, so. I don't count that either, but I, I count that, you know. Yeah, they, I they, agree with that. They discount in Halloween H2O those other sequels, and then now they're discounting those sequels, and. It, but I hear they're giving callbacks to some of those sequels, so I'm, I'm not sure. I, I haven't seen it. I'll, yeah. I'll, ju- I'll judge when I see it, you know. I'm guessing 
they're going to just totally skip over H2O, which was supposed to be the official canon end to just the first two films and ignore all the rest. Now they're ignoring everything, but I think the first one, I don't even know if they're going to make the second one a real thing. I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't think so. I think it's just the first one. Yeah. Which is kind of odd to me because the second one and H2O were fine as far yeah. as I, I mean, as far as following canon, I thought, you know, that they were fine. Um, For me, I'm totally happy with getting rid of four, five and six. Like yeah, they never, ever existed. A long while, only one, two and H2O, as far as the Michael Myers flicks, were the only ones I uh, I thought was canon or at least should be. Um, Halloween three is its own beast and I love it. So anyways. Oh, what about the druids, man? You know those those rune stones. He threw them on the floor, and yeah, and he couldn't step past the line because now he's mystical. I think he was counting <laughs> like he was Rain Man or something. Yeah, one and then two, they two. brought in Creighton Duke. Yeah, <laughs> Creighton Duke. Yeah, <laughs> I mean not really, but he's basically dressed yeah. like Creighton he's Duke. Mm-hmm. You know, dressed the man like in black. And I'm like, I just, oh my god! I just, I just have a severe hatred for six in particular. Most people seem to think that five is the worst, but or you know, worse than six anyway. But I just particularly can't stand six. Five is at least kind of tolerable if I have to. I'd rather not. I kind of like four. I um, think four is the most tolerable of those three. Yes. I, I hate that one. There's just something about that movie that just I, I can't stand it worse than the rest. The fourth Even though one? five and six are bad. The yeah. fourth one just there's something about that that just in that movie that it just infuriates me. Yeah, I know uh, <laughs> Dave Z is the same way. He has a massive uh, hatred for that one. And I don't get it because at least in my worldview, they at least try to keep it similar. It's still just Mike with a mask and a knife, and that's all I want. I don't want druids. I don't want magic curses. Um, I don't want home videos and Michael living in a house that, where are all these kids coming from? I mean, screw all that. Yeah, I don't want him impregnating his niece. niece. Yeah. I, I mean, just what the hell even? Who must that? have been like 12 or 13 at the time. Yeah, just screw all that. Um, yeah. Just and then in the fifth one, they just, some, like that whole that whole bum by the river thing. What the hell is with that? You know, he's living with this dude for a year, then wakes up and kills the guy. Like, well, thanks, man. That's, that's one of the things I kind of like about the film. Because if, if you watch that and then you watch Brian Frankenstein, I have no idea why you watch him back to back. But there's that whole thing at the beginning of Pride of Frankenstein where the old man kind of nurses him back to health, you know. And that's I think that's kind of an homage to it. If, I don't know if that's what they were going for. Well, I that, guess I can, I, yeah. That would make sense. Uh, I mean, it would make sense that that were an attempt at an homage. I just don't think it works. But. I would just I'm like not to say it's a great one. No, I'm just throwing it out there, you know. I would like to see how that existed, how, how that was a thing for one year having mute burnt to hell michael just hanging out he's not changing clothes i'm he's probably not bathing but I, not. I think he was in a coma the whole time wasn't so that the, the old man is just dribbling soup down his throat every <laughs> once in a while <laughs> i mean it makes no sense 
to be like in Seinfeld where they put the cookies in the blender when the guy had has the diet goes into the diabetic coma. <laughs> like put cookies in the blender. <laughs> I don't know. That's just me. That was <laughs> really old, irrelevant joke. But then uh, you've got that thing where he's wearing the random Halloween mask and driving the girl around in the car. Like what the fuck is yeah. this? This is it's just and those damn cops that are straight out of uh, Last House on the Left. That's just a bad minute. Oh, God. <laughs> anyway, I don't know why we're talking about this. Those suck. <laughs> but A Quiet Place does not. And I totally agree with Brian. It is so far my number one film of the year. It is amazing. Same here. Amazing. And everyone must see it. Well, I, I kind of do like the, the big cookies and all the women in that Halloween 5 film. But continue, Brian. Hey, what else have you guys watched? You know? <laughs> big uh, cookies. Cookies. <laughs> cookie woman? Cookie woman. <laughs> and that's a vital clue. Yes, the cookie woman. And they get it. Yeah. That's what kills me. Yeah, I'm over there going, Mrs. Fields? <laughs> Grandma? Um, other than that, uh, we've been watching just a bunch of movies for our uh, silly experiment. Jamie talked me into our colossal collection. Where we're watching all of our movies in order, so we're still going through box sets of random stuff. Like today, it was Snow Beast. That is a wonderful movie. Not really. Oh um, God, Snow Beast. <laughs> and funny is that was probably the best one. We watched three movies. From this new collection, and that was the best one out of them. So, yeah, that gives you an idea of the quality we have. Um, one was the Monster Maker, and I forget what uh, a third was. Beast from, from the, haunted the Haunted Cave. cave. Yeah, a Corman movie, and I forget what uh, Monster Maker was, but uh, just bad. And then we got to watch another Corman movie. Well, yeah, but that one was good. <laughs> Well, that's Jamie. What else you guys have been watching? Oh, uh, well, that's, uh, I guess that sums it up, except for the movies we did for ABCs, and so that's episode Q. That's the one that's going to be out, and that's... Oh, we watched the first, not movies, but six episodes of Monsters. Oh, yeah, that's the new retro that we're going to be doing on Evil Episodes. You remember that show? I mm. own the whole set. Yay! So do we, and uh, <laughs> so far, I gotta say, I'm liking it. It's... I think leaps and bounds better than Tales from the Dark Side. I do recall. I disagree with you strongly. Oh, I cannot I... stand the majority of Tales from the Dark Side. I thought I would love it. It was one of those, you know, series where I had rose-colored glasses, and I was like, "Oh, I remember that show. It was so good." Yeah, Tales from, the... and they do have some great episodes. Yeah, but that's they are... the thing. The episodes that are great are really, really, really great. And but they're also really, really, really in the minority. Yes, That show as a whole just sucks. And it (laughs) hurts my soul to say. But God, we just watched all of the Tales from Dark Side. I had forgotten how bad that show was. Well, it was was really kind of heartbreaking to do that that retro. It got me angry. I was under the impression it was the best show ever. Yes. And, I mean, I just from my watching it as a kid, you know? The monsters are sometimes kind of corny. I mean, all I've seen is the first six episodes in probably 20 years. Um, but they were at least solid. They weren't 
for me, the biggest crime Tales from the Dark Side ever did was when they would try to do a comedic episode. They always failed and failed hard, and it just angered me for 20 minutes. I mean, it was just straight up, I was pissed. We did yeah. run into our old friend Edith Swenson, who was a writer on nu- numerous Tales from the Dark Side Bad episodes. Ones. Pretty much, if her name was attached, you could be guaranteed it was going to suck. And I'm like, why do they? And there was a running joke on Evil Episodes when we were doing that retro. And we're like, why do they keep hiring her? Stop giving her, <laughs> stop giving her work. She's terrible. She had to know somebody or something. So then we're watching the first six, six episodes of Monsters, and fucking her name pops up. At, at the beginning of one of the episodes, and I'm like, God damn it, we just can't escape this woman. <laughs> but even that one wasn't... Horrible. Yeah, it was actually better than anything she'd done on Tales in the Dark so, Side, so... I mean, you know, I, I can't... Maybe Sorry, the first... Oh, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I just... I watched maybe the first disc. I guess I'm just gonna have to go back, sit down, and watch... Just just continue to plow through it. But Monsters? I guess for me... Yeah. Okay. But yeah, Tales I mean, of the Dark Side, I think it's it, this. It's just nostalgia for me. I remember yeah, staying I up that. late to watch that. I mean, I loved it as a kid. I grew up with it. It was one of my mainstays, and that's why I held it so near and dear to my heart. But uh, I, going back for this last retrospective, where we covered it, oh, it was just it was saddening. Still, one of the best intros ever. Whoa, yeah, yeah. Now and and. Uh, with monsters, I mean, we're you know we'll see how it goes. I do remember that uh, five or six episodes that I can recall are some of my favorite episodes of TV ever. I mean, they have some really good ones, like the um, the Arctic Vampire, or, or see, I the, don't remember that the uh, nuclear vampire. Um, it's after the nuclear war, and yeah, uh, you were telling about it. it. Sounds cool. And uh, two guys. The guys who actually push the button are kind of trapped, and then they're like vampires outside, like nuclear winter vampires. It's it's one of my absolute just it scared the shit out of me when it first aired, and I I think it's just incredible. So I can't wait to get to that episode, and there are several of them that I I know I'm really excited about to get to. There's a voodoo episode that's really fun. I can't wait to get to another vampire episode. So I mean. Yeah, the one thing I do like about that show is that it is monsters. The thing about Tales from the Dark Side is sometimes they got really corny. And, like, when they did tr- do darker stuff, it was usually very good. Yes. But then a lot of times they would trail off. And it's just like with Tales from... I, I mean, despised it whenever they tried to do a comedic episode. It was um, so painfully unfunny. I, I they call, did oh, a lot of them. Yes. Yeah. And it's just I, like with Twilight Zone, whenever they would do... Uh, like the, the sentimental sappy, sappy yeah. episodes. I'm just, uh, they were still, I don't want sap. I know I like dark. So. I would still say they were good, but the one with the dog is excellent. <laughs> the one. With oh, the I, hunter. Was, I was just thinking about that one. Yeah. Yeah. I love that one. But whenever, whenever I watch that, I tag you with the post, Jamie. I know, I know you love it. You know? Yeah. I think, I think it's called the hunt. I think maybe. Uh, but so. I actually don't remember. But that is that is a, a fantastic episode. But beyond that, um, whenever they try to do sappy things, it just I'm just like stop it already. <laughs> I, I uh, think the I think the last one was the bewitching pool where the kids got sick of their parents, so they drown themselves in the pool. They go to the the the, the, uh, the fictional grandmother's house and in the, the yeah yeah, and that's real dumb. 
But, you know, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I'm really biased toward the Twilight Zone and Rod Serling because he's from my hometown. And I was raised on the Twilight Zone. Is there, like, a statue or anything? There should be. There was a, last time I was there, there was a, a star on the Binghamton Walk of Fame. It's the only star. <laughs> I will say about 85% of the episodes I enjoy of Twilight Zone, but there's some, some silly ones in there, yeah. like, um, like black, le- black leather jackets where aliens come down to invade a town, sort of, and they're dressed like greasers, and it's really <laughs> stupid. And th- there's, there's silly ones like that. I think they pop up in, like, the fifth season... And there's some real weak ones, which I, I we're going to get into in Freddy's Nightmares when we finally do that show, me, Suzanne, and Mike, about how the one-hour format just doesn't work for certain things. Like, almost every episode of Freddy's Nightmares, well, it didn't work so well in most of those one-hour Twilight Zones either. And, yeah, there, there's that, you know. Freddy's Nightmares is an odd duck because nobody really cared about the show, so they could do every, anything they wanted, which is cool. But the quality was so bargain basement. Um, I tried watching those recently, and oh my god, they just hurt the eyes. They're fun, um, and they yeah, need, I mean, for, they need to be trimmed down. Though, as a writer, you got to agree they need to be yes. trimmed down. Yeah, yeah. I, I watched a few of the episodes. I think it was El Ray that was showing it, and I ended up just deleting a bunch of them. Going, yeah, you know what? No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> The best ones were ones that uh, didn't have Freddy introduce them. They were actually about Freddy. I remember they do like a prequel where it's uh, the trial of Freddy Krueger and it's played by, you know, Robert England without makeup. So it's like him. And I remember liking that one. But that's about all I can remember. Yeah, there's not many more of the folks remember. It really. Um, anything else, Jamie? I don't think so. I mean, that's pretty much what we've been doing yeah the majority of our stuff fair enough um iris um let's see i a lot of rewatching, which is weird for me uh but i did uh the house at the end of time because i just i just really love that movie what is this i don't know what this is um uh, it sits on prime and it's basically a kid who comes back to his uh, familial house because his mother was sent to jail because she supposedly killed her husband and one of her kids that they never found. But it seems like the house is stuck in kind of like a time loop. And as you see the plot go backwards, you kind of see how things unfolded and it's a really neat story. I love it. Is that a Spanish movie? Yes, it is. Okay, I've been wanting to see that. Uh, thanks for letting me know. Watch it, watch it, because it's really good. And, I love time um, trippy movies, so yeah, oh, that's got me all over goodness. it. And then, um, uh, War of the Worlds, the true story. Uh, it's basically kind of like the H.G. Wells, War of the Worlds, not, not the Hollywood one. Um, as a mockumentary, which was really, really good, as a matter of fact. It really sucks the book, and I really enjoy that one. And then, oh, well, I dug into some Bakshki and watched American Pop, because I really like the music. Yes, That's very, very good. Um, Suzanne. Said to, 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 yes, Suzanne. <laughs> oh, God, I've 
the insomnia has been strong this week, so I have been watching a lot of stuff. Well, I went back and rewatched Carrie again because it's such a great movie. Haven't watched it in a year, and it was I was due. The original. That's about the, long enough. <laughs> I mean, and, yeah, a year is about as long as I like to go. <laughs> yeah, if it, I need to go back and reread the book again. It was always one of my favorite Stephen King books. I could I could read this in a few hours. I've read it so many times. I need to get a new copy because the pages were falling out of my last one. And I watched Invasion USA just because needed a little Chuck Norris after all that fish porn. How do you like that movie? It's fun. I love it's, that movie to death. It is. I've noticed something, though. There was no blood in the movie until Chuck Norris got his forehead cut, and that was the only time you saw any blood. Oh, I never noticed. It was really strange. I even was backing it up, and I'm like, there is no blood <laughs> except for Chuck. Wow. I just love him going around shooting people with rocket launchers and stuff. Oh, I know. It, it, and, you know, throwing the knife at somebody, just walking around with those two Uzis. You know, there's like 40 guns on them. They all miss. I guess it's the Stormtrooper school of shooting. If you come back in here, I'm going to hit you with so many laps, you're going to be the front right. I went to high school with a kid that was in that movie. And he was also in Sleepaway Camp 2. Nice. He was part of the tip patrol. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm also continuing to watch Trust, the, the, the FX thing that they're doing about the John Paul Getty's grandson getting kidnapped. Still absolutely fascinating. <clears throat> I've watched the, there is a series on Prime about serial killer culture. There was a documentary that was on Netflix for a long time. So I ended up watching the rest of the series, which was really interesting and very, very scary at the same time. And to follow that up, of course, watching Demons with the NFW crew last week, which Demons is always fun. Did um, John Borowski do the serial killer thing you were talking about? Yeah. You know, okay. I'm a big fan of his work. Um, yeah, he does a, a lot of the small local things around here. And last time it was like this haunted flea market and he was there. And I was like, I went to go get cash and decided I was tired and left. Because I was going to go pick up serial killer culture. <laughs> um, yeah, he uh, he does really, really good work as far as uh, his research is excellent. I love H.H. Um, H. Holmes, the doc he did, and Ed Gein, and serial killer culture. Yeah, um, serial killer culture was, and, and like I said, these 30-minute serials on, are really interesting, too. Now, I knew that he was doing those, but I never saw where to watch them or how. So I'm glad you mentioned that because I will now look because I'd forgotten about them. Yeah. The last episode in the series has Merle Allen, Gigi's brother, and he kind of took over writing letters to serial killers after Gigi got imprisoned. Oh, wow. So that was it was they're all interesting. I can't. It's morbid. But it's just really interesting. Did you see the one that he did on Carl Pandram? I had that one on my list for the longest time, and I never got around to watching it. And I don't know why. I guess because Pandram has never been one of my—he's uh, never been one that I've been 
incredibly fascinated with. So it wasn't like at the top of my list, like say an H.H. Holmes or an Ed Gein. Um, and then I don't know if it's still available. Do you own that one? Do we own that? No, we don't. Because no, we would have watched it. No, um, actually, I think it's it still might be on Netflix. Oh, well, if it is, then I definitely do want to watch it. I can't believe I forgot. Um, but you said you've seen that one, haven't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I really do like it, everything everything he does. I even told him one time, I'm like, look, you do some of the best. I mean, I've watched a lot of serial. I told him, like, look, I've watched a lot of serial killer docs. And you do some of the best work I've ever seen. So um, I don't know if that makes him crazy or not, but <laughs> or scary. But, you know. <laughs> Well, I, I was so. totally losing my train of thought here. Cats? The cats found a box. I'm sorry. <laughs> I thought you seen cats. I was like, that's still playing? <laughs> I really had some place I was going, and I just kind of derailed. And I also am really excited for something that's being made by Eli Roth, so I'm sure he'll find a way to fuck it up. <laughs> but they're doing the house with a clock in its walls, and oh, yeah. I love this book when I was when I was a kid. I I read it. I'd get it from the library about every other time my mom would take me to the library. I loved it. So I'm really excited about that. And, uh, oh, um, we watched this documentary yesterday called Do You Trust This Computer? I guess Elon Musk paid them to put it up for free streaming over the weekend. And it's about AI. And do you really trust a com- computer to start thinking for itself? It was really interesting. So if you're interested in that kind of thing, I don't know. I don't think it's free anymore. But it's definitely well worth a watch. Interesting. And yeah, I always love to see the internet get a hold of AI technology. And then in like 30 minutes, it's you know hailing Hitler and... <laughs> oh, yeah, the, because Hitler I think, did nothing wrong. Because the the uh, internet ruins everything. Yes. Go, go, <laughs> yeah. Well, they were back. the thing. Of, I said, go back and watch Electric Dreams. Tell me how stupid AI is then, okay? <laughs> oh, I love that movie. I don't care. <laughs> I don't like it. I love that movie. But it was interesting. They set up uh, basically a learning computer bot as uh, a Twitter feed. And within 24 hours, they turned this Twitter feed into a racist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's that that scares me. I don't want computers thinking on their own. Well, any all like the super geniuses, all or, you know, anybody who listens, who will listen to them, they tell them, don't do AI. It is going to kill us. If you make this stuff and it starts thinking for itself legitimately for real, it's going to kill us. And uh, science fiction movies have been telling us that for 50 years. Yeah. But I mean, all these guys with, you know, sky high IQs, it's the one thing they agree on. Don't do it. You're stupid. And it looks like nobody's listening. And they're also simultaneously developing robots. Yeah. That actually do robot things, you know, really well, like open doors and shit. And I'm like, that's good. So make this robot and then give it AI and we're all fucking dead. Metalhead, that yeah, episode exactly. of Black Mirror, and it was one of those episodes. At first, I really didn't care for it, but the more and more I thought about it, I'm like that is absolutely terrifying. Well, and it looks suspiciously like the dog that Boston Dynamics, d- yeah. that Boston Dynamics made. It's so similar in design. 
one had to be inspired and by the other. Boston Dynamics, I mean, the dog that they made is the one that can open fucking doors. <laughs> and I'm like, that's good. So in that, we well, we watched the the um, the, uh, the coverage on that dog at the same time. It was like within a day or two mm-hmm. of us watching that episode of Black Mirror. And I'm like, this looks eerily familiar and it that makes it that much more terrifying give the little guy a knife and watch him go <laughs> runaways <laughs> what was that one oh we saw yesterday it was it looked like a bull but it was running through the field it was actually kind of cute the way it was running but oh uh, again i think that's boston dynamics they are doing really some amazing stuff with the robots yeah well they can quit yeah i know <laughs> they got a humanoid one now that, what's that Something scary, the Marine Corps has stuff that um, walks on four legs, kind of like that little puppy. Yeah. And it has a 50 cal machine gun. I know, that's oh just nuts. God. <laughs> Great. Yeah, it's going to be yeah, one We're of, all going to die. Toy. <laughs> like, um, yeah, not so good, guys. Come on. Yeah, we're, we're dead. <laughs> we're all dead. Uh, Speaking of animals who can open doors, I, uh, we watched Shockma with uh, the two drink crew. And oh yeah, I forgot about Shockma. So many people have in that group did not see Shockma until then, so it made them. That's all the that baboon much. movie. That's the baboon movie. Yeah. Oh yeah. And that made it all that much more special <laughs> that they'd never seen it before, and especially Willis. And if anybody else to a commentary that involves a monkey, you know, with Willis involved, it, it just it's just magical, and uh, I wasn't disappointed. Uh, it's fun, and you get some great stuff out of your the the best actor in the film, which is the baboon who's named Typhoon in real life, and uh, I'm sure he's long dead, but Typhoon, I salute you. You're amazing. And, uh, typhoon the baboon. <laughs> typhoon the baboon. I remember uh, a story about that movie? In order to get him to like attack the doors and try to you know bash him in and all that, they waited. They got a. a a female in heat, and they put her on the opposite side of the door and just let him go. So. <laughs> That's what we mentioned that in the commentary. It's hilarious. Yeah. That was me. It's so, it's so Baboon cruel. Baboon is just dry humping the door. <laughs> so cruel. I swear. Well, I uh, hope they at least let him get a little bit. Yeah. Uh, more re- a lot of rewatches. I, I was I was busy this weekend and got really busy before that too. But uh. Voodoo. If you don't, if you don't use Voodoo. They have a great selection of movies for free to watch with like, like a little fifteen second ad every twenty minutes. It's not that big of a deal at all. But I rewatched uh, Benny and June on there with, um, of course, Johnny Depp. I think this is like the start of his his weird phase in a way. But oh yeah, I think he's, he's, got really, a hat. he's really charming in this one, doing the Buster Keaton stuff still, and it's one I of those. Seen fil- that in ages. It's one of those films like The Boy Who Could Fly where you forget, if you, if you forget how depressing it is in parts, and there, there's that. I always liked Aiden Quinn in that film. Yeah, Aiden Quinn did some pretty fair stuff. I always liked Aiden Quinn. Just period, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's fun. Um, I rewatched Night of the Comet, which is a film that I notoriously do not like, but I really love, I really love Kelly and Catherine. But this time around, it's, it's, it's still... Not very good to me, but I watched it with, I guess, more of a, a wider eye, I guess, and I got more of what was going on and yada, yada, yada. We may actually do it for a Christmas show one time, Brian, so you're invited for sure to come on that one. You can, <laughs> you can, you can school me on the night of the comment why I should love it so much. And I will. 
Okay. <laughs> Bo and I tried with David, and because uh, we covered that on Devour several years ago, and David didn't like it. And oh, Bo and oof. I tried our damnedest Boo. to turn him around, and it just wasn't working. You guys and Kevin Batchelder, Kevin Batchelder is like the biggest heralder of Night of the Comet there is. I think he's like like stalking Catherine Mary Stewart somewhere right now, <laughs> like in the bushes maybe. He's not that he's not that gross. I love Kevin Batchelder, but he he raises the banner for for that movie like nobody's business, and I I love him for it. But um, what else was there? Shockma, Benny and June. I've been watching a lot of reruns because I blame Jamie. Um, a lot of head of the oh, class. Oh, yeah. Antenna TV. A lot of head of the class episodes on that Antenna TV. <laughs> I love me some yeah. head of the class so much. Um, I, I watch the shit out of the Hogan family. I know, I know you do. It. I don't like it so much now, but it's it's there and it's it's there. I, I enjoy it. Okay, it, it oh, isn't okay. it is it isn't silver spoons. Okay, Jamie, if that means anything to you, you know. Well, oh, it's God. Not. Silver Spoons, Aaron Gray, Ricky Schroeder, still foxy that Aaron Gray today, even today. Mm. I blame Ricky Schroeder for the fact that I hate men with blonde hair. <laughs> I had the biggest crush on Ricky Schroeder. I did too, which is why I don't think anybody could ever compare. <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> and well, MeTV is doing reruns of WKRP in Cincinnati. Yeah. I yeah, have that too. I love, I love the, and there's a third one. Um, re- Retro TV, I think, is what it's called. Oh, well, back to that Avatar episode. I've been watching my two dads on Antenna TV as well, and that's bringing back some some hard Stacy Keenan love memories of my own. I'm my very own Giovanni Ribisi in that sense. See, just just pining for her all over again. You know, <laughs> um, that's where I fell in love with Paul Reiser. It's not aliens, then? You didn't fall in love with them there? No. Oh, ew. <laughs> it's, it's a bad call, Jamie. It's a bad call. <laughs> um, yeah, this is pretty much in TV and stuff. I'm trying to catch up on some more TV that's more current TV, and that's hard because people keep deleting my stuff off the DVR. There's a beef for oh. you fucking assholes in my house, you know? <laughs> We're recording too many things at once. We'll skip this one. Fuck you very much, you know? Um... Yeah, that's about it then. But um, well, your um, Night of the Comet made me think of Mary Warnoff, which made which made me think of one other thing we watched, which was Silent Night, Bloody Night. Oh, that's right. Well, that was part of our colossal collection, yeah. yeah. Um, and I'd never seen that before. Me neither. And wait, I what? Liked it. Silent, Silent Night, Night Bloody, Bloody Night. Night. Oh, Bloody Night, not yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this has Mary Warnoff, and um, it's about a guy who. Gets a house. He, in, like he, the, the house used to be an asylum. There's a history of murder in it. No way. As you would, <laughs> you know, expect. Um, and then somebody's in the house, almost Black Christmas, like just kind of hanging out, peeping on people, and then axes start flying. Oh, trope, yeah. trope, trope. But there, um, yeah. But this is also from 1970. What was it? Six. Four? Six or four. Four. I yeah. Remember. So, I don't really, I don't really hold that against it too much because it was early. But there is, there is one incredibly effective scene if you can get yes. a good copy of this. Sadly, 
we're watching the Mill Creek copy, which is crap. I believe that's the only one. I mean, but I, it's on other collections too. But it, they're all like the same. Yeah. yeah. If we could find a good copy of that film, I would love to because there is one scene that is like a flashback scene of where the inmates of this asylum kind of got out escape, and it's just oh, it works. Like, it's really, really good and scary, and just, I love the way that whole thing plays out. I would love to. The problem is that on these crappy copies, you just can't see it very well. Well, it's all public so, domain, so nobody wants to invest in it I know. clean it up. But anyway, um, I had never seen it before, and we, because of this, you know, going through this collection, we got around to it, and... I thought it was really worthwhile. I enjoyed it yeah. quite a bit. There's a scene in there. It's a surprise that really surprised me. Yeah. Oh, and John Carradine is in it, but he plays a mute. <laughs> yeah, he just has a little bell that <laughs> walks around. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah, he 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 has this little bell, kind of like in um, Breaking, Bad. Breaking Bad, where the guy just dings the bell instead of talking. John Carradine is just sitting, and it took me a minute to figure out, because they're like having a meeting around a table. But every few minutes, he would just go, ding. <laughs> and then somebody would say something, and he'd go, ding. And then finally, I was like, he's a mute. Like, he's not even talking. He's just dinging a bell. That's all he's doing. And because no one had brought attention to it yet at that point. And I'm dying. I'm like, why would you hire John Carradine? Because his voice is is pretty iconic. But why would you hire John Carradine <laughs> if you're not even going to have him say anything? Like, what's the point? But, you know, who knows? Maybe he... He owed a favor, or maybe he was friends with him. I don't it's know. Like uh, Christopher Lee in that uh, one Dracula movie, where he, he just hisses, say, yeah, because he thought script sucked. <laughs> so he just <laughs> <laughs> the whole movie. <laughs> but yeah, it's hilarious. He's hilarious with his little bell. But um, yeah, I don't know. I dug it. It was it was different and interesting. So yeah. that's it, though. Okay. Um. And we'll move on to our next segment, which is a segment you guys all love. Uh, we get up on our soapbox talking shit about stuff. It's that beef bitches and mashed potatoes. Okay, who gets the burly uh, beef? I ordered barbecue beef. I think that's mine, but I didn't who order gets fries. The barbecue beef? Mine's the Jeep Deluxe. Okay, who gets the burly beef? Brian, you're our guest. What's pissing you out this week, sir? Um, well, just to be all generic, I guess. The weather, um, it's spring yet here. It's not, and I'm getting sick of that. Uh, but other than that, that's probably about it. I'm having a pretty good week. Fair enough. Wow. We, we I know. Those, we have those on these shows sometimes, good week, so ain't nothing wrong with that. But um, move on to Jamie. Jamie, lay it on us, girl. Uh, I was doing okay until I saw someone posted an article on Facebook today about this guy who beat his dog to death. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, no. Uh, it was a pit bull, and he was hitting it over the head, and I guess he his friends were laughing, and this is all in video, Like, and I did not... I didn't look into the details, and I didn't attempt to watch the video, because I can't. I mean, I, I that's not something I can do. But, um... I guess he he was attempting, or what the article said, or what someone had said, was that basically he was attempting to go viral. So yeah, his idiot friends were laughing, you know, egging him on, and he was like, "Oh, just playing." So he playing ended it up, up, yeah, killing his dog. But the upside to that is 
that it's um because he's a moron and filmed it. Yeah, I mean that's the one good thing about it is that he won't get away with it. But I I I know I've talked about this before. I'm sure I have, but it there there's very few people in my eyes are lower than those who mistreat animals. And especially if it's your animal. Yeah. What the fuck is that? I mean, dogs are so incredibly loyal and loving and wonderful. All they want to do is make you happy. That's all they want to do. And to mistreat a creature like that, I don't get, I don't understand mistreating any creature. And I have no room for anyone who does that at all. It just, it's just the kind of thing where you, you want justice for someone like that? Put me in a room with them. <laughs> and we'll see which one comes out. And it, I guarantee you, here's a hint. It won't be them. Because I, I will go at them with my bare hands. I will. I can film it. Maybe it'll go viral. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah, know, I, that- I feel ex- <laughs> those, I, I feel the exact same way. Those commercials come on. I oh. actually got arrested. I was, oh God, I was like 19 my grandmother sent me to the store to pick up some stuff. And I'm walking. I saw this guy walking a dog. All of a sudden, the, he just hauls off and kicks the dog. So I run over and I punched him in the head. <laughs> Yay! Right on. And, well, he called the cops. And, well, I, a lot of members of my family are police officers. So one of my cousins had to come and talk the guy out of arresting me. I told him what happened. And... A lot of other people like, yeah, he kicked the dog. She hit him. Did she actually hit him? Oh, actually, no, I don't think she really hit him. I think he fell down. <laughs> so people were recanting the stories about seeing me hit him after he kicked the dog. Man. I just, I can't, I, I can't deal with that. I, I can't even watch it in movies. I know it's fake now. Yeah, but. But I, it, it just does something inside to me and i can't i can't i can't stand it i can't even stand the aspca commercials or the- oh no i yeah. i couldn't find the remote i curled behind the couch with my fingers in my ears screaming la 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 for five that's, minutes that's what i do i mean if i can't get some i'm like brian 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 <laughs> change the channel like i can't even look at and it and you know whenever you hear that the one channel. uh sarah sarah mclaughlin yeah whenever you hear that starting oh, yeah. up you know what's coming <laughs> and i just immediately no you know um i kind of feel bad for the because no one you can't really get any donations if any if no one <laughs> will is willing to watch your commercial because those commercials are notorious for people not watching them but at the same time change your commercials i mean that I mean, yes, they're effective, but too effective because no one stays long enough to see the phone number. So you're 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 hurting yourself. But even that, better off doing commercials where showing how people happy who have they donated be. Yeah, yeah, and dogs and cats and animals and families that love them. Yes, that what, would be way more effective for me. Why can't we do that? That's a good idea. That's a really good idea. Yes, I like that. I I would watch that. Of course, I'd still cry. But um, but you remember it would be that happy. It would be that, happy crying and not. Yeah, you remember you that know. really old commercial where that you all you see is the puppy, um, like on a chain, and it's like the wind is blowing, but you hear the people coming in like to watch a football game, and 
they're like, uh, oh, where's that cute little puppy you had? And he's like, oh, puppy, he's a dog now. He stays outside. And then it's like, if you're cold, they're cold. You know, and that damn commercial used to kill me. And that was way before the Sarah McLaughlin things. This is like way old. I just, <clears throat> I don't know. There's something about it and something about animals and animal cruelty. And I just want to kill them. I, I just, and, but not even just kill them. Like I want to hurt them really bad first. Yeah, I, I know. I do too. I, I mean, want like, them to feel. Slow. Yes. I need for them to feel what they've inflicted on someone else or something else. And it's just, I can't. And those stories stay with me. And, and, um, I had a friend post on Facebook a while ago. Someone had cut his cat's tongue out. Not his own. I mean, not, he didn't see a story where some guy had cut his cat's tongue out. Oh, his cat. My friend's cat got his tongue cut out by someone. And he came home. He'd been missing for like a day or two. And he came home and his tongue is fucking gone. But you could tell that it didn't. It didn't like he wasn't in a fight or he didn't get hung on something or whatever. Somebody fucking did it. It was it was a clean cut. Someone cut his cat's tongue. Like how fucking how is that cat supposed to drink now? I mean, do you do you do these assholes think about stuff like that? No. And cats clean themselves with their tongue. They drink water with their tongue. You basically just you. Uh, anyway, that was Glenn, by the way. Mm. Glenn, his cat. I don't think it was his cat. I think he's the one who was talking about his friend who. Oh, okay. I think. I think it was. Yeah, because he's not going to let his cat out. Oh, no. Tiber. No, no, no. That one. That's not going to happen to Ty. But um, anyway, that's why I don't ever let animals roam. No. I can't can't do it. Because even if they know how to take care of themselves, uh, you know, for the most part, you can't trust. You can't trust people. No. Hmm. Yeah, fucking it's terrible years that I feel about animals and man oh man. I would uh, I would choke somebody. For sure. I don't care fuck who you are. Family member. I know it's free douchebag family members have done terrible things to animals and I, there's a reason why I like these people. Thank you, podcast family, for being so awesome, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Suzanne, even more now, knowing you punched a guy in the head. That is awesome. <laughs> yep. Popped my knuckle out too. Totally worth it. <laughs> <laughs> boy, oh boy. Uh, Iris, what about you, girl? Um, I don't know. Same beef that I always have. Check your fucking sources. Yeah, there, there you go. There, there's that, you know. <clears throat> you know, I think I posted something on. Can't remember if it was in a group or even on regular Facebook, but it was, you know, something was going around about. Easter that some guy had put his uh, HIV blood in the Cadbury uh, chocolate, which was the same guy, the same picture that was saying, you know, a couple of years ago that he put his blood in Pepsi and then going, first of all, <laughs> science, okay? <laughs> Just fucking science. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. The heat, the chocolate melts, and um, yeah, bacteria would die uh, because chocolate's pasteurized, and yeah, um, you know, it just 
I can't even talk about it because I get so wound up about it. Just check your fucking sources, really. I am so tired of people wanting their opinion handed to them instead of them looking to see if they even should have a fucking opinion. But, you know, that's my beef. You know, it's funny you should say that because I say that all the time. I, I scream about that all the time. And because everyone just comments on headlines. You know, did you read the article? No, I only and read it, the headline. Yeah, they all they do is read the headline, and then they have this screaming match about what the headline says. And then if you read the article, a lot of times it doesn't even say anything. I mean, the headline is often hyperbole or whatever. It's and then snag you, hello. Of course, and then so the re. What's funny, though, is that I do say that often. And the story that I was talking about earlier with the guy and his dog, I didn't read mm-hmm. that article. It might not <laughs> be true, but that's because I, I, well, I you couldn't. I it's just against you know? it's not it's not a Jamie article. I was going but I was going on. The person who posted it had said something about it in addition to that. So I was actually trusting that this person had read the article now chances are they didn't i mean not chances are chances are are there that maybe they didn't and i could be spreading hyperbole myself now so i i do want to put that out there that i did in you know in all fairness i myself did not read the article and i did not watch the video i'm going to just and to be fully open you're part of the problem I know, but see, that's the thing. That, that's is that is one of my biggest issues with people online is they don't ever get past the headline. They don't, you know, and they just run with it. And it takes two minutes to either read the article, sometimes do a quick search like that. Remember that alligator article that the one Lord golf course or something? No, the one that someone had claimed that they'd killed an 189 year old alligator or something. And yeah, I heard about that one. They found um, they, like they found musket, musk, ball, musket yeah. balls in the alligator along with the with the fifty caliber that they had said yeah. they killed it with. I don't know. It was just all this like stuff and and then it turns out like I was like really like really. So I just did a quick search on it and no, this was an article that was fabricated several years ago, like in 2014, and it was on Snopes. So, and it was fabricated for, a, it was either like an April Fool's thing, or it was like one, like an onion kind of thing. But, but people are losing their minds over this. And I'm like, well, let me just look, let me just check real quick. And no, not true at all. So you know, I'm like, before you lose your mind, just check. Or don't, and don't spread it. Please do not spread it. I mean, the, yes, Mars was very close astronomically to earth <laughs> in 2008 it doesn't happen every year <laughs> and you know what nothing happened then it's not going to happen now <laughs> right don't how worry many times are the planets going to align <laughs> come on you're good <laughs> well if mercury's a retrograde then you're fucked is all i'm saying you know. yeah everybody is <laughs> But yeah, that's me. Chainsaw. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. See, one day the stars will come right. <laughs> then you'll see. Yes, <laughs> and something's gonna come up. And Literally. Then, <laughs> and then Billy Zane will come, and the demons will come, and well, he'll all make us laugh all over again. And uh, I'll kick it to Suzanne on that note. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> my car. So. Still. 
still Aww. there's two monitors that haven't come up and it they still will not pass it if one of the monitors was up and there was only one that had not completed it would have been fine so now i can go to the secretary of state pay 10 bucks and get a uh, a trip pass but the problem is that's only good for driving to the service station where you're getting your car serviced or to the emission station. And the problem with the monitors on my car is you have to go through what they call a drive cycle. So last time this happened, I literally ended up putting like 600 miles on my car before it actually completed enough to test it and have it pass. So now Pat's driving my car for a couple of days hoping that we can get them to come back up that I'm taking it back up to the station and having him test it to make sure everything is back up because if I go to the for the third time and it doesn't pass then I have to go to one of the Illinois stations and have them work on it and that's at least four hundred dollars Illinois fucking sucks I am so fucking angry But I did have one good thing happen to me today. So we can at least lighten my car mood. So I'm standing in line at Walgreens. All of a sudden, it's like, where's my card? Last time I used it, thank God, was the ATM at my bank. So I drive back over. And I'm like, I left my card in the ATM Friday between 3 and 3.30. She's like, do you have your ID? Yeah. She goes, flips through. There's like eight cards in there. I was like, oh, here you go. (laughs) (laughs) that is the one high point of my day because i'm thinking if i have to get another card i'm going to go change my information at like 10 different places and you know what a giant pain in the ass that is yeah so yeah i'm pissed off about my car happy i knew exactly where my my bank card was (laughs) oh boy yeah, I mean, myself, uh, I'll start on a positive. I just see the picture of Baxter and his grandchild. It's just him and the grandbaby. I haven't seen that yet. And that's one of the happiest pictures you ever see all day long. So if you're a friend of X, go go look at that and just smile for a second. And, and think about life for a while. Because he's a new grandparents, people. Rihanna had the baby, so check it. It is a cute little guy, too. And the picture of, of Hannah holding the baby... Or, or cootie, I should say, holding a baby. Oh my god, what a precious picture! Very nice. No, no ugly babies laws in the beef podcast, except for me. I'm a very ugly baby. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I'm um, yeah. My beef is I, I just went this weekend to to two. Uh, well, one's more of a entertainment con that you would call it a comic con, but most of the folks would uh, heroes and villains fan fest, and the other being uh, C two E two, which is a uh, and everything kind of, it's literary, it's comics, it's movies, it's everything all rolled into one. Um, there's people, and I love, I love these people to death because they're, 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 they're just uninformed, and I'm going to lay some, some schooling on them right now. If you're a new-goer to, to a con, or even, even a, a one that's been going for a long time, don't dump on other cons if you're not at them, or if you're, if you're uninformed on how cons work. Because one... C2E2 has been going on for about six or eight years now. It's it's a, it's a pretty big deal in, in Chicago when it comes. And Heroes and Villains, which is a combination... Heroes and Villains Fan Fest is a combination between Heroes and Villains Con and Walker Stalker 
which were both failed conventions. So, so they, when I say failed, they just, it, it's hard to make your money if nobody comes to your show. So they do great things now where they, they buy one ticket and get three free, you know, to get the asses in the building to buy the photo ops and to buy the autographs and to buy the merch and to buy the, the stuff from the vendors. And it, 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 it's a great business model. And I think more people should adopt this business model just to get some people in the door to spend money. But people that are going to that show is like, well, they went to that show, they went to the other one, and that one really sucked. I was like, well, that one was a lot more busier than, than Heroes and Villains because it, it, they're, they're, they're run differently. There's a lot more, a lot of extenuating circumstances that may hurt your own personal con experience, but it's not nothing that I'm not used to and a lot of folks aren't used to about, you know, if you don't pay for VIP, you're going to stand in those long lines. And unfortunately, that's just a fact of life. If you don't spend that extra money, and I, I never do. It's it's there, but I never do. I, I've got, I've gotten to the age now to where if I'm going to stand in line for somebody, and it's a long line, it better be a fucking pretty important autograph because I'm not... I'm getting too old for that shit. I've been doing these... I figured it out. I found that picture when I was moving of me from like 1999 with Tyler Maine. And that was my very first Comic-Con. So, like, 18 years I've been doing these. Close to going into two decades of doing uh, cons. And <clears throat> I've seen some, some good ones, and I've seen some bad ones. I've seen some questionable ones as far as their business practices go. But I've never I've never went on the internet and said, you know what? F- fuck these motherfuckers. Their show is terrible. Uh, why, does, why does a bottle of water cost $4? Uh... This day or the other. It's like, you know, ask questions before you walk. That's not it. even unreasonable. Try going to, like, a theme park I know. or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, these, these are complaints people have all the time about these things, though. And it's really annoying that their bird dog in one show that they didn't have a great time at. And don't get me wrong, Heroes and Villains is, is a lot more of a personal experience than you would have as C2E2. Because it's, it's, it's big, but at the same time, the people that come there to do the signings, are a lot more cozier towards the, the the fans, you know. I got my fix this weekend. You know, I, I met two of the Riverdale girls and Miss Felicity from um, from Arrow. So my heart was nice and full by the time I left there. So that that's and the kids had fun too. But uh, I I uh, <laughs> I had too good a time just meeting those three. Um, but people just need to shut the fuck up. I mean, it's it's not just the people. It's promoters from other shows. It's vendors from other shows saying, wah, 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 we didn't make any money. The traffic sucked, blah, 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 My friend been a vendor at these shows for, for 20 years. He lets me in for free a lot. I thank you, Brian, very, very much for that. And um, the reason why he stays in business so long is because he rotates his stock out. Like, be- like before, like a year ago, he was selling just prints of people that were going to be at the show for them to, you know, take it off this rack and go get signed by the people. And he would have stuff that they wouldn't have at their table, so it made all that much more special. But he's gotten away from that, just like he's gotten away from Blu-rays and DVDs. He once was sold those a lot. He, he got away from it because the market eventually dries up. So now he sells sheet music. Just, just, you know, there's like a nice photo in the back, and he sells sheet music from anything from anime to Supernatural to cartoons, to movies you love, anything you could think of, he sells sheet music for. And people are eating that shit up because there's so many musicians out there or people who who know musicians that would love it. But he has this new product that nobody ever sold. So when you have stuff at your booth, 
that makes you unique from any other booth until somebody copies you, of course, because that happens all the time. Yeah, you know, that that makes you then catch your eye and you go buy buy stuff. And you know the same thing with these cons. When you hear bad stories about cons, it, it either people either read that and it strays them away from your con, or people just don't come back. Whatever. There's a lot of there's a lot of con politics going on with that, and people just need to stop and realize that the con needs to make their nut too for what for it comes down to what they charge for food and what they charge for the autographs because a lot of them regulate that because people come to the shows they're 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 supposed to get a guarantee like i think one year one show had like two million dollars worth of guarantees to where they had to pay that out whether they sold one autograph or not and this is something that made back in ticket sales and everything else and it's 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 a real it's a real big business and they make money but people just need to stop complaining if they're not learned or if they're just being an ass, just wanting to bitch about everything. But I'll be going to one later on in the month. I'm excited about. It's a Riverdale one, guys. It's just, it's just Riverdale. So, and I'm getting in for cheap and not going to spend a lot of money. So I'm definitely going to go and go have a good time. <laughs> but um, yeah, stop bitching about the cons, people. I mean, if it's a really shitty con, they got really shitty business business practices. Odds are they're not going to be a con anymore. And there's that. They just go away. So, just read into it, guys. I really, I really, I really appreciate that finger finger banging cons on the internet. That's really uh, not 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 satisfying or uh, sexual, but uh, it's terrible. <laughs> and I'm sorry, Suzanne couldn't go this weekend. I really wanted her to go, but she uh, had the car problems and. Yeah. Well, the uh, I was really bad Friday night too. That didn't help. Yeah, you had a good time on Friday night, I know for sure. I was like, oh she, yes, I did. It's like she ain't gonna make it. <laughs> <laughs> oh god but yeah this show uh, they call the guppy love uh, all that good stuff we're doing two films where um, uh, fishmen have wanted or unwanted sexual congress w- with people and uh, being uh, that's the best way I can describe it without being too filthy we'll get into the filthiness when we do the reviews being humanized from the deep and The Shape of Water, a show that these people have been looking forward to, I'm sure. I think I'm really excited when we mentioned it, the one show. Uh, but we'll get into that with Humanoids for the Deep right after this. American Dream He's just a common man the American dream, Dusty Rhodes, baby. I'm coming to you live and in living color. Speak to you, the American people. A podcast called Silver and Gold Daddy. And you know that the American dream, Dusty Rhodes, knows how to bring home the gold, daddy. And just like Henry Silver... Sticking Barbara Boucher's head inside a sow hanging from the ceiling. Silver and gold will stick it to you. Stick it to your ears. Stick it to your mouth, your eyes, your nose, daddy. And all points in between, they'll take your listening pleasure and stick it between a sow's carcass hanging from the ceiling, daddy. Silver and gold, we talk about movies and shit. 
Find us on iTunes or silverandgold.com. They're coming. Humanoids from the deep. tidal wave of rampaging creatures surges from the dark and violent sea to conquer the earth. Maybe intelligent enough to perceive man as a competitor. Why the girls? It's my theory that these creatures are driven to mate with man now in order to further develop their incredible evolution. That's enough to scare the hell out of me. Soon the world will awake to a terrifying riptide of humanoids from the deep. We think we know where these things come from, but we have no idea how many there are. The Earth plunges into a battle for the survival of the fittest, where man is the endangered species and woman the ultimate prize. place you hide anytime you stop they will find you Doug McClure and Terkel Vic Morrow humanoids from the deep humanoids from the deep from 1980 uh, cheapo plot synopsis is this Scientific experiments backfire and produce horrific mutations. Half man, half fish. Which terrorize a small fishing village by killing the men and raping the women. Dum dum dum. This starts Doug, Doug McClure. I gotta say just like that because of The Simpsons. Choi <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. McClure. <laughs> Vic Morrow, who's never been a nice guy in anything I've ever seen. I'm sure he was a, a nice guy in real life, but maybe not. Uh, and Turkle. Sydney Weintraub, Anthony Pena. Ooh, where's uh? I'm looking for Miss Salmons on this list. You know the the other one, Miss 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 Salmon. I'm Miss Salmons. There she is. Linda Shane is Sandy. Miss Salmon. There you go. Not Mrs. Salmons. Like, don't get confused. But um, I'll kick it to our guest first, and uh, I'll ask Brian what he thinks of Humanoids from the Deep. Oh, I love this one. Um, it's driving monster madness at its best. You get uh, horny fishmen killing men and doing bad things with women. The It's a Roger Corman production, kind of on a sly. I don't think he was officially credited, but uh, he had his hands in it. And for a Corman production, the special effects are pretty good. Um, the gore effects of the guys getting ripped apart look good. But uh, for me, I'm a monster guy, and I like a good-looking monster makeup or creature design. And it has that. Yeah, sometimes they can be a, a bit hokey, especially there is there was reportedly three outfits they had for the fishmen, and they just kept reusing them. Uh, two of them were normal, and then one, for whatever reason, had these extra-long arms. And every time I see that guy, he just makes me laugh because he just looks so out of place. And yet they keep using them. Um, I love their exposed brain look. Uh, 
They're always wet. They're always covered in seaweed. They're just good, nasty fishmen. Uh, of course, there's uh, comparisons to be drawn with uh, one of my favorite stories, The Shadow Over Innsmouth by H.P. Lovecraft. Oh, yes. So uh, I honestly think whoever made this movie read that and then tried to put a modern scientific spin on his uh, rather dated, because he wrote it in the 20s, and mystical spin. Um, I There's so much silly stuff in this movie that cracks me the hell up. Uh, there's a scene of a guy and a girl in a tent on a beach. And the girl's getting all, you know, hot and bothered because he's a ventriloquist. You know how that gets all the chicks. Um, <laughs> and she's all like, ooh, let me see it. And, you know, he's playing with his dummy where she's taking off her clothes and everything's looking good. And then one of the humanoids comes in, rips through the tent, rips open the guy and kills him outright. But it's cut with all these reaction shots of the dummy. Like, you'll see his eyes move or he'll, you know, open his mouth. And it makes no damn sense at all, but it just cracks me the hell up. Um, I like that it begins taking no prisoners. Within, like, the first 15 minutes, you have a dead kid and a dead dog. Letting you know, nothing safe. This movie's addicted to dogs. Well, yeah. Um, the good thing is they look rather puppety, so... I know for a fact no animals were harmed in making of this movie, but I like that it goes there and it, you know, just tells you the rules. Hey, you know, nobody's safe. Nobody gets a free pass. And it's actually horrifying. I mean, ripping people apart is one thing, but doing a nasty with the unwilling women, that is just sick. Um, and there's a story that goes that I've seen on a number of documentaries whenever they talk to uh, Corman about this particular movie. Um, there was a woman who directed the film initially, and I'm blanking on her name. Uh, Peters. Uh, Peters. Barbara Peters. Yeah. Thank you. And she made the whole movie, and when she turned it in, Corman wasn't happy, because supposedly she filmed, now this is his words, but she filmed all the guys getting ripped apart in graphic bloody detail, and all the fish rape, you know, off camera, like shadows, you know, I guess trying to keep things respectable. Well, Corman wasn't having any of that. So then he hired another guy to come in behind her. And Turkle. he's the what's that? Turkle. Thank you. And he's the one who added all the gratuitous nudie shots and the full full on fish raping. Um, I think he also did the shower scene. You mean with the body double? Oh, with the blatant body double? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, get back in the shower. You look better in there. <laughs> <laughs> it always reminds me of that scene from the movie Body Double, where you have, uh, oh, what's her name? The star. Which one? Oh, Melanie Griffith. Melanie Griffith. Thank you. They're showing the scene where uh, the vampire is getting ready to attack the woman, and then they bring in a body double. And Melanie Griffith is standing there with the other actress who got replaced. And she's like, you're going to get a lot of dates after this because the body double is stacked to the nines. And I just I love that. And that made me think of this because the woman in that shower was not the woman in that kitchen. But I love that. I mean, yeah, uh, there's some questionable things in this movie, but 
there's little things like there's the Miss Salmon that you mentioned who at the end the fishmen come up and they attack the big salmon hoedown or whatever it is and of course because Corman when the fishmen go after the radio DJ and Miss Salmon of course the DJ gets killed and Miss Salmon gets her top ripped off so she can run around topless but then she grabs a brick and just beats the hell out of the fishmen uh, there's a there's another scene where like once they turn the tide and light the water on fire and all that, there's a fishman who's kind of left all alone. And, like, everybody gets around him with two-by-fours, and they put the boots to him. I mean, they just wallop this guy. And it's, I think that's so funny um, that this horrible, evil fishman thing is basically curb-stomped. Um, and then the final bit at the end where the woman is alone against the fishman, but she don't let that stop her. And she grabs a kitchen knife, and she stabs this thing so many times, its lungs fall out. And that is just awesome. So, yeah, it, it's a very bloody movie. It's a very silly movie, but I love it. I don't know if it was just the time that it hit me as a kid, and I'm looking back at it through nostalgia glasses. But I think it works for what it was. If you want to see a monster movie... With, you know, what Joe Bob Briggs would always say, blood, breasts, and beasts, this movie delivers. And, uh, yeah, I like it. Beautiful. Suzanne? This is nostalgia all over the place for me when I was growing up. It was either this or Humongous on in the middle of the night on HBO. So I've seen these two movies more times than I can count. And I'm going to sound like an old an old person now because they just don't make them like this anymore. The monsters are great. There's no political correctness whatsoever. There's just boobs and the, 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 the rape in Fishmen. And my, I love the scene at the carnival. I cannot help myself. This mass orgy killing of all the men. Like, when one of them sticks their head out of the planks, I'm like, I really want to queue up. Let's party. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny because I always compare them to Tar Man because they're all, like, wet and drippy. They have the same kind of of movements, too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Exactly. But, like I said, this is just one of those quintessential 80s movies if you're a horror fan in any capacity. If you haven't seen this, you do not get to call yourself a horror fan. It's fun. It's and it moves right along. There's no lulls. You go from someone dying, people talking, someone dying, fish rape. Let's say I always hashtag this one. This is fish porn. They're just out trying to have a good time, propagate their species, and the damn men get in the way, so the men must die. But it's just it. It is just fun. All around. There's nothing bad that can be said about this movie. I love it. I really wish they'd make monster movies like this again. But you know that's never going to happen. Well, actually, I can't say that. There have been some really good movies over the past couple of years. A few. But, yeah, I I never really put the shadow over Innsmouth with this. But I can totally see that. But it's just, it's a great, it's a fun 
movie. It's just fun. The effects are good. There's lots of gore. I'm not happy about the dogs, but they look fake as hell anyway, so you know it's not real. And I do. I just love this movie. I actually found a cheap Blu-ray of it on Amazon, so I now have my own copy. Beautiful. Uh, Jamie? Oh, I love it. I don't think it requires nostalgia to love this film. And I I don't... I mean, because I know several people that we've introduced it to because we covered this on ABCs. Yeah, and they really liked it. They love it, too. Uh, you, You can't help but... There is nothing, I can't think of anything I would even change, you know? I mean, there's maybe more boobs. I don't, I mean, <laughs> I don't think that's that ever hurt. a bad thing. I, uh, yeah, it's super fun. I do think that what I always crack up at the end when they have the, you know, their big plan, uh, the Doug McClure plan to, Send him to hell, you know, by by setting the water on fire. And he's like, do it. And he, like, you know, gives her the big, send him to hell. And so she shoots the, the flare gun. There's a flare gun, right? She shoots the flare gun, and it's like, poof. <laughs> and then you've got, like, this little bitty fire in the middle of the water. And I'm like, that'll do it, you know. And what cracks me up is all the fishmen are on the land at the time. So what the hell are you even doing? You know, I think they just really wanted fire on water like they wanted that scene but it honestly makes no sense that is a shitty plan (laughs) because if there are any in the water all they have to do is swim under the fire that's not going to do anything and most of them are on land at that point anyway so it's not going to do anything it's a bad bad plan but the fire on the water looks kind of cool when it eventually does catch. I mean, you actually watch it kind of creeping over, and it's kind of sad. And Brian was like, well, what was your thing that um, you thought the the fire, the, what did you say? I don't know. Oh, shit. You <laughs> thought the, the fire rods had gotten damaged. Oh, yeah, the, the flame bars, yeah. And, um... Which makes sense. I mean, I can, I can see that happening. So maybe it was intended to be a much bigger that well, but um, I always wished it had. Because that's probably my only nitpick, is that that scene... It, because up until that point, you look at something and it explodes. You yeah. know, I mean, we've got cars exploding left and right, just, you know... Running into a ditch, running off a mountain, you know, and then, you know, when you actually want something to explode, you know, and I'm like, oh, that's kind of (laughs) sad. So I think it was intended to be a big deal and it didn't work out. But either way, I'm okay with it because we do get some really fun stuff. I mean, honestly, this movie is just fun from the beginning. and, and, And like Suzanne said, there are no lulls. There's lots of lulls, but there are mm-hmm. no lulls. <laughs> and uh, also, the um, DJ Mike, the at the at the the festival, is Greg Travis, whom people will, or at least I recognize him mostly from. Uh, what is it? Showgirls. He plays the. Um, the guy with the golden parachute. Um, okay. <laughs> what's his, I can't remember his name. Um, Grant something or something. Anyway, he's got a bit. He's got a pretty big role, and, and of course, he's done a lot of other stuff too. But immediately, what comes to mind for me is 
showgirls. And he was so young in this role. It cracks me up. I recognized his voice more than anything. And um, I was like, that's funny, you know, to see somebody that, oh, Phil Newkirk, that was his name in Showgirls. Um, to see somebody that you recognize from something else. I love doing that. I love seeing people like way back at the beginning of their career or whatever. And so that was cool. I just can't, I can't get enough of it either. I mean, anytime anybody says you want to watch humanoids from the deep, I say, yeah, it's always a good time. (laughs) I mean, it never, never is that a problem. Also, Innsmouth is my absolute favorite Lovecraft story. And so anything to do with fish people, I mean, I also, I love a creature from the Black Lagoon. I just, I'm drawn to that idea for whatever reason. The fish man idea it has always drawn me in. This is no exception. It looks phenomenal, too. On blue, it is beautiful. Oh, yes, and it is. I, I just, I mean, wow. It looks so good, particularly for Corbin to be involved. Everything is astonishingly good. Like, it just, wow. It just blows me away. So, then we've got the awesome visceral end, which... Love you. I love that little puppet guy. <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, it's just, I can't even, it's, it's perfection. It reminded me of V. Yeah. Well, not... Yeah. yeah. It is just so obviously a hand puppet. It's all... <laughs> the chest bursting itself, I think I like it better than Alien. That's going to be a bold yeah. statement, but I, I think I like it a little bit better. I love the sound effect. It is so obviously like a cartoon pop. It's like... Yeah. <laughs> little guy pokes his head out. Like a Tupperware burp. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, I mean... I don't know what else. If if you haven't seen, if you're out there and you've never seen this movie, then you gotta fix that because it's just it's amazing. It's so good, so good. I mean, and I think it's legitimately good. You know, I really do. I think it's just if you want a monster movie, an alternate I, title, and I do. I always want monster movies. Then this is is what I want. This is everything. It's got everything. So, yeah. It's, I don't know. I can't say anything else. It's, it's awesome. Okay. Iris. Well, <clears throat> kind of like uh, the rest of y'all, uh, Innsmouth is my go-to Lovecraft story whenever I want to read Lovecraft because it is, is my favorite. It, it yeah. was... Call of Cthulhu was not my introduction. It was um, Shadow or Innsmouth, and that is the story that made me go seek out HP even more. Um, so for me, this is just a bunch of deep ones. <laughs> just like Ryan, just like Brian said, um, it was. It's just a, a modern version of of Shadow over Innsmouth. Uh, you have the Salmon Festival, um, where you know, they're, you know, fish is, fish is king there in this little town of Noyo. Um, you have the Native American element uh, with, um, with, what was his name, Jim? No, Jim, that's not Jim. But, um, hold on. Johnny. Johnny. Johnny something. I don't remember his last name. Johnny something. Thank you. Um, that's right. Uh, let's see. 
I don't even have it on here. But anyway, we do have that element and and something that nobody else has mentioned is the music. I mean, the music was by James uh, Horner, who ends up, you know, getting Oscars yes. <laughs> for some yeah. of the stuff that he's written, you know. So um, even though I hate the song, but it was for Titanic. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, you know, he got it for the best original score. So and there's two others. I can't remember what two other people are on there, but two other people in this movie went to win Oscars. I believe it was one of the cinematographers, maybe. Can't remember, really, but... I believe that. It looks fantastic. So, um, and, uh, Brian, I uh, directed you wrong. It wasn't Turkle. Turkle was uh, one of the females. It was Jimmy uh, Murakami who did oh. all the titty shots for this. Oh, okay. Movie. And, um... Which is kind of interesting because you got to think about, you know, you're one of the people that went and did this movie, right? You're, you're filming this movie. And um, when you go to see you the you know, very time, the very first time you go see this movie, it's not the movie that you, you filmed. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I, I, well, I, I don't even think Barbara Peters was told that he was adding those additional scenes she was very and she was pissed off when she saw the film and and you guys are right she was not told and i think after this movie i think she said screw the film industry i'm going into television because Mm -hmm. that's where she ended up be a real uh david prowse situation yeah it was kind of i'm sure it was very surprising for everyone to all of a sudden see you know you know beast boobs and uh blood just kind of like you know the the three B's there. You're, you're, and, you're Star Wars fan. You watch that doc yet, Iris? The, the David Prowse documentary on, on Netflix? No, not yet. It's really good. I recommend it. Oh, cool. I will definitely put it in my queue. Uh, but this movie is perfection for me. It is full of exploitation everywhere. It's got creatures and it's got gore. And those are the three musts for me to have a perfect film. And that did it for me. I I really, really enjoy this flick. I've enjoyed it since I watched it the first time on VHS. And uh, you know, ever since then, I can go back to this movie and always find something fun. And yeah, you know, <laughs> the, the damn dummy, that is, I think, probably one of the funniest parts in there. Yeah. You know, the yeah. eyes going back and forth back and forth <laughs> like, and then it's like the dummy's like okay if I play dead it'll forget that I'm here <laughs> I love that I mean that's, come on that's funny there's, a, there's another dummy gag coming up in another film when, when Duncan comes back soon so get ready for it guys yeah right on. So, bring on the uh, dummies yeah and and of course, you know the 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 lead scientist. She's like, I wonder how they got like this. Um, you screwed with their DNA. Hmm. Yeah, she's the one. This is what kills me. Is she's the one who did it? Right? And she's, and she's like, and she's dumbfounded that this actually happened. That's okay because she's the prettiest little scientist you'll ever see. You know. Well, then later on, she's like, I've been warning of this, warning them of this forever. And I'm like. Well, then why were you so fucking surprised? <laughs> why were you doing it in the first place? Uh, what is she? You do exactly as I tell you. That's what she tells her assistant. So she knew what she was doing. So that, that was just a bunch of BS. Anyway. So, yeah. I love this movie. And, and um, 
I, I seriously, I can't recommend this movie enough. Anybody hasn't seen it, you need to. So that's my that's my two cents. Fair enough. Yeah, this is the. I, I honestly think this is like the seminal Roger Corman film. Like it's like probably my favorite. Yeah, it's like he were and I fucking love Piranha. Yeah, I do. But I I, know, I, I've, I, there's another science experiment gone wrong. You what? <laughs> science experiment gone wrong. Yes. Yes, it is. Um, what did you say, Suzanne? I Piranha for me. I mean, these two are neck and neck. But yeah, oh, for I sure. just love Piranha. I cannot get enough of Piranha. I honestly have, as far as nostalgia goes, I have more nostalgia personally for Piranha than I do for this. I I have seen that film way many more times, and I absolutely love the shit out of it. But with this film, I feel like Roger Corman worked his entire career to get to this point. Like, I I just feel like (laughs) this sort of, this sums up everything. And what is it with him and water? Well, come on. It's no creature from the haunted sea. Oh God, that (laughs) sucks. But I mean, yeah, it's like he, he started way back then (laughs) rap like that and then ended up with something really awesome. But what, seriously, what is it with him in the ocean? Mm. And, and fish scared of it. Yeah, kind of like band and puppets. <laughs> Either that or he likes working on a beach and he can write it off on his taxes. There you go. Ah. But, you know, of course, it's not what, not very, you don't step very far away from bikini to topless. It's very no, easily done. That's true. Well, one handed with these creatures, they just grab and say, hey, which. You know, hey, they're they're the junior high experts there. Talented, talented, but uh, (laughs) that's not so perverted. These creatures have talent, you know. uh, They do because they look really good. And one of the main reasons they look good that nobody else mentioned yet, I'm I'm gonna do it right now, is that you two heavy hitters working on them that weren't really heavy hitters yet, but um, Rob Botin created the creatures and Chris. uh, We already know that is the introduction to thing, you know. The Howling, t- tons of other stuff, you know. Just look, look it up, people. And uh, Chris Wallace, who uh, created my childhood with them gremlins. So check it out with that, too. He's uh, my friend on Facebook, actually. It's pretty awesome. But um, <laughs> I forgot to mention one person that I was looking at the, in the credits. Rowdy Harrington uh, worked as an electrician on this film. You don't know the name, you know the movie, because that's the guy that made Roadhouse, and that makes them all much more, much more special to me. Uh Oh wow! Yeah, buddy. Um, yeah, it's it's great. This is great uh, exploitation sleaze, and it doesn't take itself like you know. It takes itself seriously because uh, you know it, it treats it like kind of like the birds in a way. Like, hey, this engine's just causing everything. Why is his dog still alive? God damn it! You know stuff like that, and <laughs> it's, it's one of those classic. Let's pick on the one in, Indian guy who has to be played by a Hispanic in town the whole time, and Vic Morrow's really great asshole, like he always is, and, uh, I've never seen the show Combat before, I don't know what he's like in that movie, that, that show, but I've seen other stuff with Vic Morrow, and every time he's a jerk, so I'm hoping that that's not, like, the way he really was in real life, in, in, in a way, you know, but, um, yeah, great creatures, that still show pretty great, and they, they just killing people. If you need to be sold on anything, it's the last 20 minutes of this movie because when they start tearing up fucking Salmon Fest and shit, just <laughs> slitting throats and just nastiness, 
it's really great. It really rivals anything that you see today, practical or unpractical, and that that makes it special in that way too. Um, if you liked it like it was without the boobs, I don't think you'd have that exploitation aspect you like about this movie. And so I disagree with the previous filmmaker on that. So go ladies, but um, it wouldn't have been the same movie. And uh. <clears throat> Like you've got three women sitting right here, and every one of us loves the shit out of this movie. So yeah. you get no arguments from us. Oh, I never, never Boobs are good. I never expected an argument from you guys. I'm just saying other people, you know. It's just... <laughs> oh no, I know, but I'm saying you. Know, the normies. Yeah. The, the, the normies. <laughs> the people who don't like fun. Yeah. There you yes. go. It, it also pulls off, you know, that that great thing where. It gets you in and out in 80 minutes, and that's never a bad thing. If a film could do that, uh, Wynorski does that real well. Although I don't think many Wynorski films are as good as this film, but I do love me some Wynorski films. But if you could get it, get you in and out, yeah, in and out for these fish people. <laughs> yeah, the old in and out, in and out. Um, in 80 minutes, I think you're doing a real good job, a real efficient job with your film, because it gave you everything you wanted in this film. Um, a real sense of the community. This is an eco-horror film because they're messing around with salmon and they shouldn't be messing. And yeah, it's kind of like prophecy in a way, but with no paper mill and massive. I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, it's really, man. Everything you guys said and more. It's, 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 it's fucking enjoyable and look for it. Like Suzanne said, she got it on the cheap. And uh, yeah, great, great Corman produced sleaze. And I'm going to... Kick it to Brian if he has anything else that he'd like to say about it and uh, rate the film 1 to 10. Um, just a great monster movie from a bygone era. I don't know if it is a perfect movie as far as technical aspects, but as far as me, I give it a 10. I love this movie to death. It never fails to disappoint. And, yeah, I couldn't think of one thing to make it better. So that's a 10 in my book. Cool. Suzanne? I I love this movie. I just I'm really surprised that most of our first experiences with Lovecraft was Shadow over Innsmouth. So this story had to be really highly anthologized at that point in the '80s because that was my first one. It's it's still in the the top three, but it's just it was really surprising, not surprising to hear that that was everyone's kind of first experience with Lovecraft. But I do. I, I just love this movie. It's, you know, like I said, maybe it's not so much the nostalgia thing. But like I said, it was on HBO with Humongous frequently. And it was like my first instance of, you know, being, you know, 10, 11 years old, you know, loving horror movies and seeing all the boobs and the blood and thinking, oh, my God, I'm doing something bad. <laughs> I like it. But something oh so right. Oh, yes. So, yeah, this movie is definitely a nine and a half. Cool. Uh, Jamie? Ten. ten. I give it a ten. ten. You give it a ten? <laughs> give it a fucking ten. <laughs> yeah, I, the, yeah, I, I can't. <sighs> it's perfection. I don't know. There's nothing wrong with this damn movie. Even that little fire thing at the end, that just makes me giggle. So that's still a plus. Cool. 
Um, who's the last one? Iris. There you go. <laughs> uh, ten. All right. It's, it's, it's a ten. It, <laughs> we're gonna give it a whole ten, huh? No, this this movie, like, like I said, it's perfection. It's got everything I want, and it's everything I expect from a Roger Corman movie, and it's got a kick-ass um, uh, soundtrack. So yeah, definitely a ten. Mm. Yay! Yay. I give it about a five and a half. No, it's it's ten. It's it's, what? it's good stuff. It's a ten. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's fun. The creatures look great. I mean, there's so many there's so many things. I mean, Court did this at his show, and I think that people are a little PC when it comes to this film. I think he was too. I mean, that they were doing unnameable things. These women, but how many sci-fi films from the fifties and the sixties did you see things coming from another world or? That that wanted to take women back on their their spaceship and stuff like that, and this is just pure B movie with, with some sleeves thrown in, and that that makes it a perfect movie to me. And uh, yeah, it gets a ten for that reason. Go watch it if you haven't seen it yet. That's all I can really say about it. And uh, speaking of uh, slimy slimy love, we, when we come back, we're gonna do. And this is a spoiler for my review. Probably my favorite Del Toro film so far. When we do The Shape of Water from 2017, right for this. Well, when the sun goes down and the moon comes up, I turn into a teenage Gugumuck. Yeah, I cruise through the city and I roam the streets. Something that is nice to eat. You better duck when I show up. The Google Map. I'm the ninth head hunter looking for some head. Well, the way I body underneath that head. Cause I'm a teenage tiger and a goober. 
Hey, it's your boy, Donnie Rings, host of the Horror Mafia Podcast. I'm joined by my associates, Baby Joy. Hey, yo, how you doing? Como estai? And Big Bill Casanelli. Hey, bafangul, bafangul, all right? And together, the three of us will take you, the listener, through our unique take on the horror genre. And sometimes mob movies, too. We are the mafia, you know. We serve up a little antipas to get you in the mood. A little gabagool, a little supersada, a hot sausage, a piece of mozzarella, crack Sicilian, I'll forget about it. As well as a wide variety of entrees to manja. Whether the classic film review or our list episodes. You'll always get an exquisito dish served. Hey guys, how can we forget? Tanya's torture. Ah! Fucking Dawn! So come join us in the back room at Horophilia Studios for a sit-down with the Horror Mafia podcast. We'll make you an offer you can't refuse. Or you'll be sleeping with the fishes. If I told you about her, the princess without voice, what would I say? Eliza, come on. Eliza, hurry, hurry. Deaf? Mute, sir. She can hear you. You clean that lab, you get out. This may very well be the most sensitive asset ever to be housed in this facility. You may think that thing looks human. Stands on two legs, right? But we're created in the Lord's image. You don't think that's what the Lord looks like, do you? This creature is intelligent, capable of language, of understanding emotions. When he looks at me, he does not know how I am incomplete. He sees me as I am. J'avoue, j'en ai bavé pas vous, mon amour. The natives in the Amazon worshipped him like a god. Get him out. What are you talking about? No. We need to take it apart, learn how it works. I don't want an intricate, beautiful thing destroyed. We can do nothing. I'm sorry. Don't do this, Eliza. What is she saying? Don't do this. Oh, God, it's not even human. If I told you about her, what would I say? I wonder. <sighs> okay. Okay, that's open already. That's good. I'm trying to be efficient tonight, people. Ooh. Yeah, isn't that nice? <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll go back into this in three. 
a two and a one. The Shape of Water from 2017. Ah, your cheapo plot synopsis is this. At a top secret research facility in the 1960s, a lonely janitor forms a unique relationship with an amphibious creature that is being held in captivity. This, of course, is written and directed by Guillermo del Toro, uh, Academy Award winner Guillermo del Toro for this movie. And it stars Sally Hawkins, Michael Shannon, Richard Jenkins, Octavia Spencer, Michael Schulberg. Oh, I'm going all dunking on you. Stuhlbarg. Doug Jones as the creature, of course. And, uh, some other folk, as Duncan would say. Uh, yeah, I, I really dig it. But I'm, I'm going to kick it to Iris first, and I'm going to hear what she thinks about it. Right, so, um, this to me was, I think it's a beautiful retelling of the creature of the Black Lagoon. Now, I know a lot of people have been... Oh, how can I say this nicely? Well, I'm not. A whole lot of people have been shitting on a lot of these Universal monster movies, the new ones. But to me, I think all they are doing is it's not, you can't expect the original because the original is what it is. Nobody's going to ever remake that. This is, these are just retelling of these beautiful stories that we fell in love as kids with these Universal monsters. Uh, I mean, the, the Dracula one. I mean, I would much rather see um, a Dracula that is a family man and was a protector and all that instead of some misogynistic sex creature. Uh, and incidentally, with, I like Dracula Untold. Uh, it's, it's, it's a great story because it's, it's a story of a man who had to become a monster and sacrifice everything to protect what he loved. Boom. What is wrong with that? Nothing. I enjoyed it. I'm one of the six people who actually liked it. <laughs> well, count me as your seventh because I like the movie too. And um, The Mummy, again, not the original one. It's got Tom Cruise in it, which I cannot stand the man. But I really enjoyed the retelling of that story. Um, then, of course, there is this one. And um, I can't speak on Frankenstein because I haven't watched that one yet. And then there's this, and of all the universal monsters, I'd have to say that the most intriguing creature for me was the creature of the Black Lagoon. And the way this is retold is, it really pulls at my heartstrings. It's this beautiful story of a woman who lives in this very isolated world because she, she can't speak and she can't hear. And um, the creature he is completely isolated in his world because he is in this pressurized tank and they poke and prod him. They make him bleed because they're trying to make him do things that he is not. He's a sentient creature, you know, but they're trying to treat him as an animal and just the way the world collides with all these, um, I would have to say, uh, happy accidents you have the the spy mixture in there. There's the all that Cold War stuff from the 1950s, 60s all mixed in, and it's beautiful. You've got Michael Shannon. This man, he every time I see him in something, I am fucking impressed by the work he, he, he does. You can do anything. You can do comedy, too. It's hilarious. I know. It's just amazing. I, I was introduced to this guy by... Um, 
crap, I can't remember the movie of it, but it was the one where he's going nuts and he thinks the world's coming to an end, so he's trying to put his family inside this bunker that thing that he's bug? building. That's the one bug, right? Or, um... No, not bug. This one, um, I know what it is. I, was, it, I, I watched it on Shutter. Yeah. Well, anyway. And I cannot think of the name of it. Oh, what? I'll look it up. Right, it's like... I'll, I'll look it up. Okay. Oh, I got right. IMDb open. So, um... You know, this guy just, every time, he just blows me away with when he takes a character on. He just plays it. Just, you know, he's all out on it. And um, just this whole thing and the way it it, it just moves. And it, it's <laughs> kind of funny, but it's a very fluid story. There, there's no, you know, there's no breaks. There's no. The thing that kind of like jerks you to a stop, like some other movies have, like what you're like, you're going, wait, where the fuck did this come from? You know, it, it's very fluid. And while I was sitting there watching this movie, I did not feel like I was watching a two hour film when it was over. And the ending just, I mean, it really grabs you. And, and this is one of the few movies, uh, modern movies, that I was totally invested in the characters. That usually doesn't happen to me because most of the modern movies are just so quick bang, here you go, boom, over. Or so many explosions and shit that you kind of forget about the characters. This one really pulled me in and made me kind of made me feel kind of part of the story. And Guillermo has a way of doing that to me, I guess. Maybe it's just I, I enjoy the way he writes and how he directs and produces. I don't know what it is, but yeah, this totally pulled me in. I I love this movie completely, and of course the Lovecraftian aspect, I think Guillermo has that in everything he does, uh, because she has fucking gills. So to me, she's like, she comes from Innsmouth. That's where she comes from. That's why, you know, you found her by the river. She was like a deep one that didn't make it. So, yeah, I... I completely love the story and um thank you for getting me to watch this because i was kind of like iffy i mean it was guillermo but i was like uh, i'll wait for it wait for it but then when it came up i was like all right jump in and i'm glad i did so thanks beautiful you're welcome hey oh uh, the movie is take shelter take shelter thank you that's the one that was the very first michael shannon movie i watched and i was like <gasps> i must find more and then i watched a bug whoa <laughs> so yeah there's one that I want to do at some point called Dead Birds that he's in. It's like a haunted house oh on a plantation. I love that movie. Good shit. I, I love that. That's a good one. See, anything with this guy, I will do. Actually, uh, Dead Birds was one of the first movies that Brian heard me talk about that I'd seen that impressed him. <laughs> because he's like, well, nobody's seen that movie. And I'm like, Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I should have warned beforehand. This is a new, newer movie, so if you haven't seen it yet, there's spoilers that are going to happen. So I'll kick it to Brian next and ask him what he thought of it. Um, Del Toro is one of my favorite directors. Full stop. Um, doesn't matter what he does, whether it's uh, a gothic romance like Crimson Peak or it's a balls-to-the-wall action flick like Blade Two, or it's big robots punching big monsters in the face. Um, he just, he can do no wrong. I think he is an exceptional filmmaker, no matter what genre he's playing in. And I'm so glad he, it was finally noticed by the hoity-toity crowd at the Academy. Um, he brings 
respectability and legitimate legitimacy to some of my favorite genres. Uh, and he's just, he's a wonder kid, although he's older than I am. Um, and this movie is no different. Just from a visual standpoint, it is arresting. I can't remember if the cinematographer got the Academy Award for this, but he should have. Tell you a moment This early. movie. Yeah, I know he was nominated. Yes, I know that, but I don't know if he won or not. I can't remember. Um, I know that it came home with a bunch of words, so good on it. But I, anyways, this movie just has an incredible look. Um, it is that fairy tale fifties look where it looks legit, it looks historic, but things are a bit off. The colors are a bit too bright. The things are a bit, you know, more real than real, and I love that. So even if I didn't like the story or the acting or direction, I would just be visually impressed by this movie. Luckily, I like the acting, I like the story, and I like the direction. Um, I've heard some people, you know, they were expecting a horror movie or something, uh, and I'm like, you know, do you know who Del-, Del Toro is? Yeah, he does that, and he does that well, but he also does other things. He's just a man who loves monsters, um, and he loves using monsters to tell very human stories, and that's what he does here. Has he ever made a straight-up horror film? I mean, I've, even well, something like Pan's Labyrinth, is it's very fantastic. No, it's like that is his preferred... It's, they're all, like, dark fairy yes. tales. Yes. Now he, when he first started, he did mimic. Oh, that's right. Which was like a he was a gun for hire, yeah. and you know that's his least favorite work that he's done, just because studio and you know he couldn't make the movie he wanted to make. But no, yeah, usually his films have some element of the fanciful, some element of the uh, beyond, and that's what this is. But it is straight up a romance, um, and a beautiful romance. And I'm not a sucker for romantic films, but I loved this one. Uh, it's If you've ever been an underdog, if you've ever been misunderstood, um, if you ever felt like an outsider, this movie is for you. It's the ultimate outsider story. And you can't get more outside than this poor creature. Um, I love that it's badass. It is weak and vulnerable and very human in that way. But then, you know... When he gets his druthers up and at the end he stands tall, he's like, you better recognize who you're about to mess with. And I love that moment. No, I love um, it when he says, you are a god. Oh, yes. I, that was like, yes. <laughs> so uh, this is a great film. It deserves all the accolades Hollywood's been heaping upon it. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm glad I saw it. I can't wait to see it again. Cool. Uh, Suzanne. I think Guillermo directs a beautiful movie. And I I have to admit, I was kind of poking a little fun at it with, you know, fish porn and grinding Nemo. Oh, I still am. <laughs> yeah, and it's fun. And, you know, there, there are certain elements that actually make this, made this movie really enjoyable for me. The actress, what is her name? Sally Hawkins. Uh, Sally Hawkins. I don't think this movie would have ever worked if it was anybody else but her. I like the fact that she was very plain. And I like the way that she connected 
with the, with the cast and even with myself. I mean, you're just kind of drawn into her really, you know, drab and secluded world in a, in a way I really just, I, I was really surprised at how much I was drawn in. And once again, I love Richard Jenkins. I absolutely love him. And I another preconceived notion I had, I thought this was going to be the sex life of Abe Sapien. I was pleasantly surprised. I never really thought of the Creature from the Black Lagoon aspect. Because that was when I was really young when I watched that with my mom. And it was always, the, the creature was always my favorite of the monsters. Don't care. I always love the creature from the Black Lagoon. But I I like Guillermo's work. Don't get me wrong. I think he makes beautiful movies. And this one, I think, had a lot more substance than some of the other ones I've seen. I know, I'm, not, I'm not really trying not to diss this or, you know, I just, I don't really care for movies with that that heavy fantasy aspect to them it's just i've never really enjoyed that but this one was more of a, a dreamlike uh i don't even want to say fairy tale it was just a, a it, it was like a dream but i really enjoyed the movie i love michael shannon uh a couple of my friends there's a few bars they go to downtown and they keep running it into Michael Shannon at some of the clubs that they go to. So um, one of these nights I'm going to go hang out with them and hopefully I'll meet Michael Shannon too. Well, he's cool as hell. I met him one time. Not not in there, but I've met him one time. But I guess he's just a really, really nice guy and I love his body of work. I was just scrolling through Guillermo's filmography and I, I never, I didn't even realize that he directed Mimic. But I did, I did enjoy the movie. I think if they had changed anything the movie would not be what it was and i love the guy who played dimitri there was just a heart there that i really wasn't expecting and seeing michael shannon play such a fucking asshole was i'm so used to seeing him in the nice guy role or the the good guy role and seeing him just as a flaming fuckwad was really just... A, I thought you were going to oh, say something else. And I was like, whoa. I was just I didn't really, get that from his character. <laughs> I was just really surprised seeing him play something like that. Like, one of those first scenes with him when he's banging his wife. Like, damn. Really? Well, don't worry. He's still got his thumb, trigger, and, and pussy finger. No problem, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> But I enjoyed this movie very much, and I will. I think my husband even enjoyed it more than I did because he really does like fantasy films. But all in all, it was I was really glad that I had a reason to watch it because I had no no plans on ever seeing it. So yeah, I, I enjoyed the hell out of it. Cool, Jamie. Hello, I. <laughs> you know. I thought I was going to have difficulty getting Brian to go to the theater to see this uh, because it, you know, being a romance. Uh, but I think that what helped with that was that it's Del Toro yes. and he will never turn down a Del Toro. 
<laughs> so that worked in my favor. And uh, I, I just remember being in the theater and just... It was one of those movies where I find myself leaning forward the whole time, you know, just staring at it. And it's gorgeous. I mean, that's one thing that he can do. I mean, I've never seen him turn in an ugly film. I just, it, I don't think he knows how. I'm always interested if he is working with the same, and I should look it up. It's not hard to do. Yeah, but I wonder if he works with the same cinematographer because if he does, that would explain a lot. If he doesn't, then he has a lot of say over what is shown. Because all his movies look amazing. He he has a great eye with the camera. Well, and just his color palettes. And yes. his I mean, so even if the shots look good, it's more than that with him. It's clearly his direction uh, because it's everything you know it's the 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 color palette i mean all the aesthetics of his films look just amazing and and like um nobody hit me i don't like hellboy yeah that's messed up yeah <laughs> I, I i can't help it it bores me i don't I like don't it get that. I, I like hellboy more uh, than this film I, I like the second more than the first actually i just i love the first hellboy long. good on you <laughs> But I loved Abe Sapien. And Abe Sapien is an interesting character. Yeah. And so when I heard that he was doing this, I was like, oh, wouldn't it be funny if this was like an Abe Sapien prequel or something like that? You know, but I think the actual story is he wanted to do, he's always wanted to do a remake of Creature from the Black Lagoon. He was supposed to do it, and at the last moment, it got pulled out from yeah. under him. And so they basically won't let him, and so he's like, okay, fine. Piss on you, I'll make my own. I'll do my own. <laughs> and so he did this, so it's basically his version of what the creature from the black lagoon would be and i think it's beautiful and yeah people always make fun of the you know the fact that oh she had i'm not into i mean after this movie came out it was just all over the place i'm not into bestiality and oh she had you know other other what is it other uh other I don't recall. Oh, oh inter interspecies yeah. relations and all that. And I'm like, look, if you watch the film to the end, clearly it's not. <laughs> she found where she belongs. And I mean, she's had these she's had these scars her did, whole life. Did and, you think that was just a coincidence? I know. <laughs> and never knew where they for what they were and where they were from. And then, you know, she's got this whole mysterious backstory. And, you know, and then in the end you find out she's where she's supposed to be. So no one's doing anything wrong, people. They were meant to be. And I think that's beautiful. I um, I love the Richard Jenkins storyline. He is one of my favorite actors, and he has gone in recent years from being, you know, that guy that you, you saw in all those movies, you know, um, to actually being a, a, a name that people recognize. And it took him a long time to get there, but I think I'm so glad he did because he deserves it. Well, he's he's he, the reason why I prefer "Let Me In" over "Let, let the Right One In." Oh yeah, um, uh, when he oh, turns he was, in things like Bone Tomahawk, that was awesome. Holy shit, you know, um, Cabin in the Woods, 
uh, I mean, all of these films to me would not be what they are if he wasn't involved with them because he just brings even Step Brothers. I mean, he brings yeah. something to every character, <laughs> which is why, <laughs> which is why he is such a phenomenal character actor. But I'm so happy to see him get the recognition that he deserves, and and then I think he did this role; it was uh, just perfect. And yeah, this is the this is the perfect story for outsiders everywhere. And I'll tell you something else. I even love the dance number, and I've heard that a lot, too. Oh, I really like this movie, but that dance number. You know, I don't care. I thought it was amazing. It was it was such an old Hollywood throwback that it, I mean, just like most of the film, I think it fit. I think it was fantastic, and I wouldn't change a thing. Yeah, Brian, that, that's the DOP is for this one is... Dan Lostson, and he uh, worked with Guillermo on Crimson Peak and nothing ah. else. But he was also ah. did uh, Brotherhood of the Wolf and some other good ones, too, though. Oh, so. okay. Crimson Peak, though, makes sense because I actually saw a couple of similarities between yeah. that film and this one. Oh, me. Me, me, me. I, uh, <laughs> I enjoyed it. Like, like, like I said before, we even went to the review. It's probably my favorite Del Toro one on all of them because... It's so stylized, and it's it's a beautiful film to look at, and it, it comes together, I think, better than any of his movies, because the subtext is not really a subtext, it's all kind of right there, to where, if you're watching it, you know, there's nothing to really, like, there's no, like, underlying things that are crazy out there, it's just, like, the story of this woman who's been alone all of her life, and she's a mute, so she never had really had a voice, and she discovers this one thing that, that that makes her happy and gets a gets them eggs going. Yeah, that, that's that's another met, met, metaphorical thing that I couldn't get enough of when she would boil the eggs and then flick her bean at the same time. I don't know what that was about, but uh, it's uh, very uh, <laughs> it was very uh, stylized and sexual because especially when she fed the the creature the eggs that she made while she was flicking her bean. I was like, there's some, there's some freaky shit going on right here, and it's uh good good stuff though. You really love their interactions because it's, it's it's one of those real. They think this creature's just like a, a creature. It has no way to learn, no way to do anything. But she's given this much like hers, given this creature a voice to to you know be more than it is. And I love the simple stuff like when and I, I'm sure Jamie can forgive the creature eating the cat in this movie because uh. I, I, I love the way that. Richard that Jenkins. was rough. It was rough. I love the way. But Richard I saw Jenkins. it coming, so I, love I was way, prepared. I, I love the way Richard Jenkins explains it, though. You know, you can't be mad at him because they're just wild animals being wild animals, and that was um, that that was um, it was gross. But at the same time, you you you, you kind of forgave him for eating the cat, and even to, even especially towards like uh, some of the later scenes where he's trying to play with the cats. It's kind of like yeah, I was forgiven, you know, because that was kind of adorable when he was playing with the cats. Uh Michael Shannon, Michael Shannon, Michael Shannon, you sleazy motherfucker in this movie. He's just a... The first time you really see him, uh, the creature, you find out, took two of his fingers. Maybe he got too close or whatever happened. So ever since then, he's held a grudge against this creature because he's they're, they're attached, but he's losing them at the same time to where they turn black. And he has to rip them off, literally. and So he's, like, hitting them with the shock thing, and it's really bad, and he's really mean to them, and he's really... I don't even know what he is to his wife. He, he goes home and he's all humdrum about his life. And 
until he gets in the bed with his freak of a wife and just starts going to town and man. banging the shit out of her. Man, he's 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 hitting it, he's hitting it strong. <laughs> he is hitting it strong. Uh, Richard Jenkins, you guys mentioned, great as her. I don't even know what he is to her. It's not her father, obviously. It's just kind of like this guy that looks after her in a way. And um, he's just a, a really wonderful neighbor and friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, Octavia Spencer, I, I don't think she had to turn in a bad um, performance on anything. That I've, I've watched The Help more than once, and she's pretty great in The Help. And she's pretty great in other things, too. But I love her as this, uh, this, this friend that's, like, you know, glad that her friend found something, even if it's in... Some weird fish form, f- f- yeah, fish form, weird flat dicked up uh, fish man that, that of course she's uh go- going to town on and uh having a good time and fi- finding love in 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 the strangest of places. The but one they- thing that upset me about this was Octavia Spencer's husband. I was really hoping what I wanted to happen was I wanted him to come around and I wanted him to like to stand up for her for Oct- like for his wife. I wanted him to learn something from this whole thing. And he didn't. And that made me sad because I was I really wanted some kind of cathartic event. Some kind of I don't know. I mean she um, didn't put she didn't put up on no ship, but she was obviously the classic nineteen sixties trophy wife. Who was was had to run home to make, make the make, make, put the bread on the table and you know. Before I wanted to see <laughs> some warmth, you know, some something, some kind of arc for his character, and and of course it doesn't really matter because he's just a you know a peripheral character, so it doesn't even, you know, his his what happens to him is not the point of the story. But I really was just kind of hoping for a warm moment, you know, uh, him kind of standing up for her. You know, and I just felt like it would have been nice, and he just was kind of a dick, you know. <laughs> so that made me sad. I, I loved, I love, like Jamie mentioned the the, the Dan sequence because it's almost like she was reborn, like she was coming out of her shell in that Dan sequence, that fantasy. And I thought that was pretty great. So whoever said that was a bad thing, whatever, you know. If I had to pick something that was, I'm sorry. I found it to be whimsical. Yeah, you know. I've seen that in a bunch of movies, like like Jamie said, though. It's, it's not really... It was a nice little tribute to stuff like that. And um, I guess the scene that didn't work for me, because I thought it was like really ill-conceived and stupid, was they decided to flood the bathroom so they could do it underwater. You know? Because <laughs> at this point, <laughs> she doesn't have gills, and he does, obviously. And at the end of the movie, you'd imagine that he put some gills in her. That's not sexual. That's not sexual at all, because... Spoilers, something happens at the end of this movie when she's going to release him, finally, to get him away from the the evil G-man, Michael Shannon, and they're kissing, and all of a sudden, she's fine, and they're under the water. Like, yep, he put some gills in me. She got some, some GSTs going on there, some gill-transmitted diseases going on, and she's, uh, <laughs> she can live amongst the waters. Although maybe... The, the the scars were maybe those gill slits waiting to come out, all Kevin Costner like and shit in the Waterworld, and you know, I I don't know. It, it could have been. There's a lot of a lot of a lot of subtext with those scars that are really explained, and he obviously has the ability to heal people because the the scene where he runs away after he eats the caddy, he he cuts Richard Jenkins pretty bad, and he 
puts the blue sparkles on and he's able to not only fix the scar but make his hair start growing back too and he was just so excited about that and so I don't know if he made the the gills pop out of her or not at the end of this film I couldn't tell you I just thought it was like it was like a perfect ending to this movie like oh she she might not make it but guess what yeah they kind of live happily under after uh, ever after uh un- under the waters as two as two shapes of water you know <laughs> Oh, there was that weird, I forgot to mention, there's a weird part of this movie, after they first do it, where she's on a bus, and you see, like, these idyllic raindrops going across the window, like they're sperm or something. I don't know, maybe that, I, I, I'm probably looking way too far into this, but, you know, like, like they're little tadpoles swimming up the river or some shit, I don't know, it's really strange, you know, just thinking about sex and rain at the same time on a bus. Probably touching herself again, I, if I'd imagine, if she's that much of a freak, but, uh, I'm done. I'm done. Beautiful film. You wouldn't get that from my, my talking about it, but I really think that it's something that, that people should watch if you're on the fence about it. Uh, yeah, check it out. Shape of Water. I'll, uh, who did I start with? I started with, um, that doesn't matter. Brian, uh, any last thoughts? What do you give it 1 to 10? Um, amazing movie. I just makes me. I'm glad that because of this movie, Del Toro just signed some big multi-million dollar multi-picture deal with somebody. I forget the company, but uh, there should be a lot more coming from him or movies that he will be hoping to bring out, produce. So that makes me happy. Anyways, as for this film, it is a solid nine. Iris. Iris. Okay, Suzanne. Oops, sorry, I was on mute. That's, okay. That's right, Iris. <laughs> um, so for me, this is just this beautiful retelling, like I said, a beautiful retelling of, of one of my favorite uh, Universal Monster stories. And um, it's, it's just beautiful to look at. You get invested in the characters. I'm going to have to go with a 10 because I just really enjoyed it that much. Cool. Suzanne. Uh, one thing I, I meant to mention when I was giving my review is, I guess when I realized the the scars on her neck, like yeah, she she's an Innsmouth half breed. So yeah, that kind of popped into my head. But you know, it's it's a beautiful movie. I've always said that he directs a beautiful movie, but I'm still sitting at about a seven for this. Okay, Jamie. Uh for me. I really can't think of anything I would do differently. Well, I just said the whole thing about the Octavia Spencer's husband, but to <coughs> me that really has no impact on the film on the whole. That was just a, you know, would have been nice kind of thing. I think it's absolutely deserving of all the accolades that it received. I was happy to see a, a virtually a genre picture get them. It And um, Del Toro, finally getting the recognition he deserves because i mean that's what happens when you when you make different films when you're when your films just don't really fit uh into nice little neat pegs it sometimes takes a while for you to um for you to get recognized and i'm glad that this film pushed him over the edge and he finally did because i think he's fully deserving i think this film is fully deserving and i would have to go with a 10 Okay. Yeah, great film. I mean, 
when they had like the battle of which horror genre person was gonna win the award. If you if you pin this up against this and Get Out as far as rewatchability goes, that this wins it hands down because I think it's a much better film than Get Out is. Not that I don't like Get Out, this is just a much better film in my opinion, and um. It, it's, it's, it looks great, and I, I'd watch it again. Again, like I said, uh, it gets a, a solid 9 out of 10. I, I, I don't think there's nothing wrong with it. It's just, you know, I had to watch it again. I only watched it one time, so for me to get the, to take it all in, I'm sure I have to watch it multiple viewings, and I don't have that that tie to Lovecraft like you guys do. There's nothing wrong with that or anything. I just, I'm just ignorant on the subject, if that means anything to you guys. Um, but yeah, great. Um... But you should see this one too as well if you haven't. If you're on the fence, go check it out. But um, we'll be right back uh, to close out the show and some other stuff right after this. In a world gone mad. As you know, the doomsday clock is a symbolic clock face analogizing humankind's proximity to extinction. One man must fight to survive on the global junkie of the future. You maniacs! You blew it up! Ah, uh, damn you! God damn you all to hell! Which versus the Doomsday Clock is that man's story? His search for entertainment is transmitted across time and space for your listening pleasure on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, and your Android device. This podcast is not fit for human consumption. Side effects include laughter, concern, nausea, vomiting, and blame for more artifices. The producers accept our responsibility for any side effects, illness, or a prank you might cause. My effect guarantee is worth nothing. Zero, 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 uh, overall, not a sausage. In short, you get nothing. Nothing. Good day, sir. Clytus, I'm bored. What plaything can you offer me today? An obscure body in the SK system, Your Majesty. The inhabitants refer to it as the planet Earth. How peaceful it looks. Most effective, Your Majesty. Will you destroy this Earth? Destroy it utterly. Send Rick and Danny in wool rocket Ajax. So, just destroy it? That's what Ming said. Don't you ever listen? Well, there's no arguing with Ming. Helming. Wait! You see those transmissions on the visual screen? Crow? Nightmare on Elm Street? Chud 2? Black Belt Jones? Nightbreed? What's a critter? Oh, I've seen those things. Flash? I guess we could wait a while before the destruction. Yeah, and watch the movies. And talk about them. The Helming Power Hour. Disobedience to Ming. For now. You can find us at Legion Podcast. You can find us on Facebook. iTunes. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. At www. You know what? Just Google it for yourself. Just Google it, you bastages. Helming. Breaking 2? Electric Boogaloo? Samurai Cop? Army of Darkness? Flash dance? (laughs) (laughs) 
We might destroy the planet if it's flashed up. <laughs> All right, um, I'm, I'm going to take time to do this right now because um, I'm not canceling this segment. I'm not, I'm not going to talk about Stan Lee in, 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 a, in a ill sense anymore because the, uh, if you've been reading the stories on the Internet, uh, there's some really terrible things happening to him. By, by family members and, and management and lawyers. And- yeah, I saw that. I saw about it, the elder abuse. Well, and it just, it appears that they're basically taking him to, to cons and propping him up. Yeah. Because uh, I saw where he w- had to be reminded how to spell his name when that he was, was signing an autograph. This past weekend, I heard the Sil- Silicon Valley Comic Con, he was there and they had to remind him how to spell his name because he was so... Like, look, if he can't remember how to spell his name, does he really has he really consented to doing this, or mm-hmm. are you just carting him around and making money? Because that is reprehensible. That's disgusting. Well, the daughter is a big a big player in this because she's she's in her sixties, but apparently she's a real low life, you know, as far as money goes and not being able to take care of herself at all. So when when Joan died, Stan's wife died, they made a trust for her. To where she would get so much a month, and you know, to, to to take care of you know herself, and it wasn't enough because she would keep making Stan change stuff, and she wanted to make Stan change who's going to get his estate and all this other stuff, and she was really abusive to him and Joan. As far as I think, he, he knocked down, she knocked down the wife like late later in her life, like not much before she died, and it was a real ugly situation with the police involved, and but um, I'm not going to do that to Stanley anymore because uh, I just don't think he deserves it in that sense. He's a uh, still uh, still a thief from a couple of uh, artists that I know and love, and but uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna dwell on that. So we'll, we'll be calling this something else next show. But um, speaking of visionaries, um, one that I, I fell with and fell in love with in the '90s, uh, the great uh, man, the great Studio Ghibli co-founder. Uh, I, I can't, oh yeah, I can't even pronounce his name. Aso Takahata died in 1982. Uh, he was the co-founder of the studio. And uh, if you haven't seen any Studio Ghibli stuff, there's about 16 films out there in, in the catalog. All fucking gorgeous to watch. And um, he, um, man, he worked in the direction, in the music direction. And he, he worked for a long, long time with, with, with me and Mr. Miyazaki and... Yeah, if you haven't watched him, just 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 go check him out. I don't need to say anything else about him. Um, Iris had something to say, though. I'm sure. Go ahead, go ahead, Iris. Oh, just um, it was such. Um, it almost brought tears to my eyes. I've seen all of their stuff and have been, you know, I'm a huge anime fan, so I've been uh, following Studio Ghibli and Miyazaki for quite a while, even before it was cool, you know, with. Um, Princess Mononoke and all that, and uh, that was like the first big one that came to the states. Yeah, it was, and I was just so so heartbroken when that happened. Well, and then of course Miyazaki retired and and left it to his son, and his son's doing a, a good job. But yeah, it was kind of like a, a closing of an era. Oh man, uh, Jamie, anything you want to say about uh, the great Steel Ghibli co-founder? Um. For me personally, no. I mean, I just don't have any. I don't have a history with. Oh, I respect that. With it at all. Uh, Brian, anything? Yeah, I've always liked those films. Uh, I'm not a huge anime fan. There's some that I like a lot, and there's a bunch I don't. 
movies by them are always in the ones that I do like. So props to them. Cool. Uh, Suzanne. Um, I'm just not familiar. And that's understandable. I wasn't, I'm not really deep in anime myself, but like Iris said, when, when Princess Mononoke came out, it kind of jump-started my love for that studio like it did for a lot of people. Much like when Anchor Bay brought all those all those uh, Italian releases to the States that a lot of folks may have never seen before. I just kind of jump-started my love for this filmmaker and a couple other select ones, but I'm not that deep into it like 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 um like other people. And, uh, yeah, I, like I said on the Q of the rate the latest episode of ABC is the one that just came out. Pretty much the only anime I've ever seen is hentai. <laughs> <laughs> Does that include Ninja Scroll? It could. <laughs> yes. There's some weird veiny sex going on in that movie, you know. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, on a much funnier note, um, Missy Shore. If you don't know the name, you know you know what she created, which is uh, the Comedy Store, which um, was first put up in Los Angeles and uh, has expanded, I, I think, even internationally by now, as like a, the go-to comedy place where, where young comics, a lot of young comics maybe even got their start at. And uh, her, her son, of course, is somebody I know I'm very much more familiar with as uh, Polly Shore. Who, who ran that for for a while. So it was surprised how when Pauly Shore came to Comic-Con one time, he really doesn't need the money because he's still running that comedy store thing for his mother. You know, it's just... um. I did not know that that was his mother. Yeah, that's his I mother. I didn't either. That's his mother. And, uh, yeah, it inspired him to be the weasel, maybe, or maybe him just... Well, I'm sure it was a real Dwayne The Rock Johnson situation. L- little Pauly Shore watching all those comics on stage, you know? To try to get his his brand of comedy, which, you know, when I watched in the army now, the other day, and I still kind of really like it. You know, I'm still a, a Paulie Shore fan for for most of his catalog, and um, Mitzi, uh, you know, just just being a, a female businesswoman is 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 as big as it was the comedy, and still is the comedy store. It's just it's it's good to see you know somebody a, a real American American success story like that, and to to make people laugh. Is 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 all that much more important? As I try to to bring to this show, is uh, try to bring some humor to serious subjects. Sometimes, sometimes they land, sometimes they don't. It's just like a good joke. And uh, she she uh, she gave a lot of folks an outlet to to uh, to do that. And um, yeah, Paulie, I'm, I'm mourning for you, buddy. You're a nice guy, and I it's uh, I hope you hope you hope you're doing well. And uh, I don't think anybody else was on the list. Somebody said William Shaller, but I knew that was a lie because he died like three years ago. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Catherine Mary Stewart, but um, yeah, she she's the one that mentioned that, and that I knew that was some some horse crap. But that brings us to the close of this show, and I'm gonna ask Brian first to pimp whatever he's got coming. He's got a lot of books coming. I've seen as far as he's producing and and creating for. Her. Uh, yeah, always. Um. In fact, considering the show, I will mention this one. Um, My most recent book that I have edited is called Voices in the Darkness. It's a straight-up horror anthology, and I used a lot of first-time authors for me. There's also some respectable names in there, like uh, Joe Lansdale, Ramsey Campbell. um, Jeffrey Thomas. Jeffrey Thomas. I mean, there's... There's a bunch that 
you should know. And if not, you need to read these people. But uh, I actually made an open call, and I got some new blood in there as well, including one young man who uh, really impressed me. So I'm happy to say one of the authors in this book is going to be Jeffrey X. Martin from uh, this very show. Yeah, good stuff. Right on. So, uh, yeah, he's going to get invites to other things as I do them along the way. But uh, I can't say when this book is coming out. It's still in the very early stages, but it will be coming. It's about 100,000 words of awesomeness. So uh, keep an eye out for for Voices in the Darkness. They won't have any option, but keep an eye out because I'm on this show. And, uh, you know, this is I'm extremely excited for this one on a personal level because it's very rare that Brian gets to do straight up horror. Yes. Now, in this house, we all love Lovecraft. That's kind of a. A thing like even the cats they don't <laughs> you you have to um, <laughs> um or you don't get in the door but it's um i like the idea of him getting to kind of stretch his legs and see what his authors can do um when it comes to just straight horror because uh, you know whatever when it's outside the confines of having to be lovecraftian anyway so it's not very often <coughs> That he gets called upon to do something like a very broad work like that. So I'm very excited. There are some really good stories in this book, including Brian's own is one of my favorites of his. And um, I'm very excited about it. And X turned in a fabulous story. There's just this is going to be a damn good book. So, yes, it is. I'm really excited about this one. So, yeah, I definitely People within the sound of my voice will be knowing more about it as it gets closer because um, you can count on me. (laughs) I know I can. (laughs) Uh, Other than that, there's some podcasting stuff, but I'll kick that over to Jamie as she's much better at it than I am. Baby girl. Uh, Well, we just had our latest episode of ABCs of Hidden Horror come out. And, of course, that was the aforementioned Q episode where Dave comes back and joins us for a discussion of... Quarantine 2 and The Quiet Ones and Quatermass in the Pit. And that was a fun episode. It was really difficult. (laughs) Don't judge us for our choices. Quarantine 2. Q is really fucking hard, okay? It's really hard. I really wanted somebody to do the movie Q, but nobody would do it. Because it was obvious. I was trying to get outside the obvious. How'd that work for you? Well, I got the quiet ones, and I don't think that was bad. I looked all over the internet. I found like 13 movies that are horror that start with the letter Q. And I think the one that I wanted to submit with it was a freaking sci-fi film, so I'm not sure. <laughs> uh... <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a rough one. And uh, we still managed to make it fun, though. And honestly, some of my favorite parts of that show are the listener emails that we got. Yes. Because people trying to contribute... To you know what they would put in for the letter. <laughs> Q was so bad. We had people um, like Andrew Huff of Friday the Thirteenth. He's like, you know, um, we should just make up our own movie. And I'm <laughs> like, you know, that's a we should have done that. That's a better idea. 
<laughs> but it was it was fun. It's a fun episode. I uh, had a new episode of Married with Children come out today. And um, so if you want to hear me rant about Playboy, um, that, you know, because, you know, I rant a lot. Um, but I think I actually did a similar rant on this show um, when... Um, when Hef died, I think. When Hef died, yeah. and I was very saddened by that. So, um, yeah, it's kind of a similar thing over there. But if you want to hear that again, uh, then, then, um, uh, then that episode of Married with Children is out. And, um, oh, yeah, we've got... Um, oh, we just did evil episodes, just the movies, where we joined Mike and Jerry Cortez to talk about the new film, A Quiet Place, uh, which we've already discussed here. Um, and then we've got evil episodes. It's going to be regular evil episodes. It's going to be coming out. We are digging into our monsters. We're going to be starting our monsters retrospective. So looking forward to that. And oh, New Devour. New Devour is out where we talked about 30 Days of Night. And Tragedy Girls. And, of course, this was our first episode with Vanessa as permanent uh, as permanent co-host. So, yeah, lots of stuff going on. Tons. Suzanne. Uh, do you believe uh, this Friday there's going to be a special Friday the 13th edition of the NFW coming out with two episodes of Friday the 13th series? And next Tuesday, I do believe the Suzanne birthday episode of NFW with Doghouse will be out. Fair enough. Um, Iris. Well, um, I will be recording with uh, the guys, uh, Theme Warriors, and we will be doing uh, Thursday. And I think I mentioned this last week. We weren't able to record, but um, uh, it is basically people turning into creatures that are not werewolves. Yeah, that's going to be kind of fun. Did someone pick the beast within? No, we got Mulberry Street. We've got the Island of Dr. Moreau, 1978 one. Uh, then 1977. Yes! I would have went with Yes. <laughs> and the Giver. Interesting. Okay. Mm. Wow, the well, Giver, be... that's a movie nobody ever talks about. Um, uh, well, we did it on BBNBC. <laughs> but, you, you know, know that's what... our kind of movie. <laughs> you know what would have been neat? I mean, it, maybe it's too new, I don't know. But Clown. Oh, <gasps> oh yeah. No, well, it had to be uh, Animal. Oh, okay. okay. It had to be well, Trinity. kind of Animal. Clown. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, this is yeah, yeah that was, but that was just, I think we were trying to go with stuff that wasn't like too, you know, everybody else has done. So. Yeah, no, I, I get it. And that, that makes sense. And those are some, those are some excellent choices. Yeah. I know. Mulberry Street, I, rat zombies. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that one, I had high hopes for it. Um, um, I'll just say this. It was um, Day of the dead with rats in yeah. an apartment. Oh, I've, I've seen it. I just, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's one of those movies I really wanted more Exactly. when I watched it, and I'm like, what in the oh. bloody hell am I watching, and why? <laughs> yeah, well, you, you'll hear my opinion on, on Theme Warriors. Oh, yeah, awesome. that was the first, Mickle. that was the first col- uh, collaboration, I believe, with uh, Jim Mickle and Nick, uh, Nick, what's his name? Nick, 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 uh, 
Oh. Ah, crap. Uh, the guy who played the lead. Um, mm-hmm. Who then went on to... Dimitri? They, uh, yeah, Nick Dimitri. Yeah. They they then went on to do numerous films together. And uh, Stakeland, We Are What We Are. Um, and Mickle, I mean, because um, I did a show called Mickle Mania with Duncan. And that's basically... Because we do that on occasion. We'll go through a just an entire filmography of a particular director. And... Um, we did Micklemania, and what I found interesting is that he is a, a perfect example of a director that you can see that gets better with each film, at least from my point of view. I agree he, with that. He, um, he improved with each film. And so Mulberry Street being his first one, I, I, you could see the kernels of something really good there. There are things about it I don't like. I don't like the colors. Uh, I think it's, it's it has that wash that was very popular at the time. But everything is that sickly yellow, greeny color, yeah. and I'm not—I don't like it. I didn't like it then. I don't like it now. But he has since lost that. He doesn't really—he doesn't do that anymore. So, yay. Um, but what you see in that, I think, is a budding Nick Dimitri who has uh, his screenwriting is really good and his acting is really good, and he, you know, um, has really improved over the years too. So, it's a good starting point for both of them. And so while I think it could have been a lot better, there's a lot there. There's a lot there. Yeah. So, and I'm sorry that nobody asked me that. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, no. It was good. It was good. (laughs) That's it for me. You didn't ask for. (laughs) Gary. Oh, yeah. Right? I am unmuted. I'll say this again. Uh, <laughs> this show, the one you're listening to, and the two drinking minimum commentaries, commentaries could both be found on legionpodcast.com with lots of other great shows, including most of the ones you've you've heard them mention so far. Uh, um, yeah, that's about it. Really, uh, got some some plans for for this month and for next month coming up. Uh, Prom season is about, and I I uh, invited Danny Trioxin to do this this show a long time ago, and now the scheduling is going together. We're gonna do uh, at some point time mid month next month. We're gonna do um, Miss I forget what the show is called Misfits Revenge or something like that. Where we're gonna do Carrie and Angus because they're both very prom centric films, and there's both misfits getting uh, going for the win in those movies, and I, I enjoy that. Being a misfit myself, and uh, Mike White from the Projection Booth is joining us at the end of the month of uh, this month for uh, our Jim Brown double feature. Being uh, I Escape from Devil's Island and the Slams, looking forward to that coming. And um, of course the, the Big Horror Mafia uh, crossover this month happening with with that that group um, where we do uh, help in for Octane. We're gonna do the Wraith and Rolling Vengeance. Oh, yes. Should be a real good time. Um, Those are going to be fun. What do you call it? Um, I'm looking forward to that. Thanks to James Peter Cox for giving us a real nice copy of Rolling Vengeance. So for us to watch, we'll be uh, doing that very, very soon. I forget which one's next. I'm not going to mention that. So let's go for that. I'll I'll figure it out in a minute. (laughs) But um, again, thanks, guys, for coming on at... uh, Doing this weekly, I, I really appreciate that. I'm trying to get them out weekly, but, you know, sickness and goddamn plague-ridden children getting me sick. And 
general fatigue is slowing it down a bit, but I'm trying to get caught up. So we'll we'll see how this goes. We'll be might see two beefs out in a week. You might see um, two two drinks out in a week, possibly three, depending on how far back I am. But um, I'll be all caught up to where I think I'll be end up releasing both shows on Wednesdays from now on, and so look for those shows on Wednesday. And if if it's uh, feasible for me, if not, I'll let you guys know. Uh, if that's not the case, but um, that's the end of this. This is the longest outro that I didn't want to do. But uh, remember, folks, always here at the Cinebeef Podcast. If you got beef, we've got the grinder. See you all next time. You know I love you, baby. You know I love you, baby. You know I love you, baby, baby. All right. You know I love you, baby. You know I love you, baby. You know I love you, baby. Big Bear Don't be so stingy with your pinging Baby tonight oh, Yeah girl come on Don't be so snappy with your pappy Baby do me right Do me right Oh yeah
some new releases and maybe stop by the H-E-B and grab some spring rolls and some just still want to hang out just chilling talking about the future and maybe thing, things might one day you know be able to you know pay the electric bill and get the electricity turned back on again oh yeah baby so we can watch those damn videos maybe he don't know fucking spring rolls oh yeah baby Don't be so stingy with your pinging, oh, baby, tonight. Oh, girl, oh, girl. Don't be so snappy, baby, with your popping now. Baby, do me right now. If I get you in the loop when I make a point to be 